If you're one of these guys that carried horns around ATA, just leave them at home. Quit being an idiot. And <laughs> I agree. Please so stop. the first just thing stop. I said is like, okay, these guys have no clue about what this industry is, and they'll be gone in five years. You aren't on TV because the TV wants you. You're on TV because your ego's so big that you got to write a check because you think you're that good of a freaking hunter. Yes, I said it. <laughs> How you really we, feel? I don't we have want gone down the rabbit hole. Oh, uh, we have. But how many? How many big? How many racks did you see walking around? Well, how do you really bad. feel? Man. So, like, I don't ever want to eat flat fast food again. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. That's awesome. We are gonna cut in right there because that vocal was. Just short of amazing by my man, Mr. Josh Kinzer, Director of Marketing for Big and J and Swagger Bipods. And we also have joining us on this conversation, Mr. Aaron Keller, who let's just say if Chuck Norris got into the deer attracting category of business, he would be nervous. That's how good Aaron Keller is at leading the charge. He is the boots on the ground uh, for Big and J and Swagger. He does an amazing job leading his teams. We're going to have a lot of fun with him in just a few minutes before we get there though do us a favor if you've been enjoying the podcast please get on itunes give us a review it's simple to do it would great we would be greatly appreciative of that help us spread the word we are trying to live our passion every day through business leadership and life that's the goal of this podcast and we're trying to have a a really good time in doing that so far we've accomplished that we have been getting some great feedback uh, from our listeners. We've had several emails. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at feedback at tour12.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know what's on your mind, maybe even uh, topics of discussion that we could get into down the road on the podcast. My partner in crime, Mr. B. Hunt, couldn't be here on this podcast. He was actually traveling out of town at the time of this recording. But nevertheless, we do have two people getting ready to join us in the conversation that I had. And the topic of discussion in this podcast, episode four, uh, ended up revolving around the whole idea of being an innovator. And I love this idea because in my world, in the creative world, every single day we are creating something. We are creating something from nothing, whether it's a solution, whether it is a design, whether it is a video, whether it's photography, we are creating something from nothing and causing it to have value and causing that thing we are creating to eventually solve some type of a problem. And so it caused me to think about the whole idea of innovation. If you were to look up the definition of innovator, it is a person or it could be a company or brand that introduces new methods, ideas, or products. Pretty simple, right? Here's what innovation is not, though. It's not taking a product that is already relevant, changing the packaging, throwing your name on it at a cheaper price. We have other terms that we would probably call that that we'll, we'll stay away from for the sake of this podcast. But Innovation is a great thing. There are a lot of companies we could look at in our industry that are considered innovators. I mean, you could look in the in the gun in the gun. We could go down a whole list just in the gun manufacturers alone. I, I think of people like Daniel Defense who have become innovators in certain areas in their space. I think about companies like Silencer Co. who owns the majority market share in the suppressor industry. I think about companies like Sitka Gear who has come into an established space in the camo industry, but they have become innovators in a space that was already there. They didn't mock someone else when it came to camo. They became innovators and created new solutions, solving problems for hunters. They are innovators. Yeti is another great brand that comes to mind when I think about innovation. 
they didn't mock someone else's cooler when they got into the cooler industry. They created a brand new innovative solution and look at the domino effect that has taken place in the cooler industry, yet the innovator, Yeti, continues to be the the 900 pound gorilla of that space of the industry even though there's about 100 knockoffs of a yeti cooler now yeti still continues to grow every single year now pushing becoming a billion dollar brand that is b with b billion dollar brand that is the power and the potential of what can happen when you are an innovator however it has also caused me to think about life after I've listened to this whole conversation that you're about to hear. And I will warn you, it is a long conversation, about three hours to be exact. So if you're driving down the road or headed on a long road trip, this might be a good podcast for you. But if you ain't got much time, you're probably going to want to hold off, or this may be one of those podcasts that takes you three or four days to get through. And that's cool. But it is a lot of information, a lot of entertainment, and a lot of conversation. But this conversation, after hearing everything we discussed and, and discussing the idea of being an innovator, even has caused me to look at life because in this conversation we're going to talk about knockoffs and we're going to talk about people who have been considered copycats or whatever. We're not going to call out really companies by name. That's not the goal of this podcast. The, the goal of this podcast is to evaluate individually in life as well as if you are a brand, um, how do you operate day to day? And are you trying to be something you're not or trying to be someone that you're really not? Are you really yourself? Are you authentic? When I evaluate even my life after after hearing this conversation, I am actually asking myself, are there areas in life that I'm trying to be somebody else? I hope the answer's not, but if I was to really get down to the nitty gritty of life every day, there's potentially areas in life that Maybe I'm not being 100% authentic and I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. It's a great question to ask. It's a great thought to consider because when you see the power and the potential of being yourself and even in business being an innovator, it has great, great value and it also has great, great potential. The flip side of that is when you try to be someone you're not or be something you're not and you're not authentic, it is a bad domino effect that is going to cause you to have a lot of issues in life. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. But my goal in life is not to get to the end of the journey and say, man, that guy did a great job of mocking that company or mocking that individual. Or, you know, he was just like Yeti. <laughs> I just use Yeti for an example because they obviously have probably the most knockoffs I've ever seen in the history of the world. But... That's not my goal in life. I want to be an innovator, and I believe from this conversation, as real talk as it gets, as blunt as it's about to get in an entertaining way, I hope that it will inspire you as an individual in life, as well as if you are involved in a brand, whether you're the owner or you work for a company, you can still take an ownership mentality and become an innovator in whatever area of life you operate in. This has been a fun conversation that you're about to hear with my man Aaron Keller, Josh Kinzer. The majority of this conversation will probably revolve around Big and J because they are a very well-established company. Uh, they do have Swagger Bipods, which is a brand new company that has just been brought to market in the last couple of years. But Big and J is uh, a company that's in about year 10 now. And at this point in time of this podcast, they hold the market share in a category of business they actually created. It's a category known as long-range attractants. Maybe you heard and remember, you can remember if you've been in the industry very long, years ago there, there was a, a slogan 
Um, and these guys were the originators of it. If you remember, it was Herd Health 365. So they've been coming up with concepts and ideas and new innovations in the attractant industry for, for 10 years now. And from way back then until now, they literally dominate the competition in this given space. Make no mistake about it. They, there is proven fact they own a majority market share when it comes to the attractant business. And I can tell you, I've personally been very fortunate to be a part of this journey with them. Um, and I can tell you from personal experience, watching their operation day in and day out, there's a reason they are successful. The, the, answer, the answer to why, it has its complexity, but at its core, it's because they're innovators. And you're going to enjoy this conversation with Aaron and Josh. As you've already heard from the intro, Aaron is, in, uh, <laughs> Aaron is entertainingly blunt. Can I say that? He is entertainingly blunt. He'll tell you what's on his mind. He is extremely competitive, as you'll hear even in the tone of his voice. Uh, but on the flip side of that, he is also probably one of the most generous people I know. He's very caring. He's an incredible leader. And at the end of the day, if you're on a team with Aaron Keller, you can bet you're going to win. And that's what I love about Aaron Keller. That is why I wanted to have both Aaron and Josh on this podcast. So without further ado, this is the conversation with Aaron and Josh right here on Tour 12. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the conversation with my main man, some of my best friends in the industry, Mr. Aaron Keller and Mr. Josh Kinzer from the mega world of Big and J and Swagger Bipods. They were in studio with us and truly pumped to have you guys in uh, just to discuss a little bit of life, a little bit of business and see how far y'all can rabbit trail and check us off track because I know y'all are good at that. We can rabbit trail, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, me and Aaron go back a little while now, I guess. I don't know how many years, but long time actually it's been a, been a while now and become pretty good friends first through business and then uh obviously just through doing doing work together and and also josh has come on here in the last few years done an amazing job with big and jay and swagger and so we're going to get into a little bit of their story matter of fact let's just dive into y'all's story a little bit tell us aaron give because you got a long history in the outdoor industry so just give us a little quick run through oh, of it you want my like Give me so so 1998 on or what are are we talking here? Give me like your retail background now on the manufacturing side. You know, uh, retail's changed so much today, but you go back to 98. I mean, Fast Pro didn't have but a handful of stores. Cabela's was small. Uh, I don't even remember if Gander was in business then, just because you know I I was in a retail world and didn't didn't think about that kind of stuff, but uh. Back then, we was, I can remember, I was top five Botech dealer in the nation, you know, here in the small town of Arkansas. And yeah. Worked for an oil company. I thought I was something. You know, we had three, we had 72 retail locations on the on the gas side and three sporting good lo- retail locations. And, you know, an 18-year-old kid running these things, is <laughs> that's a big deal, you know. <laughs> Made $25,000 a year, you know, I was rich. You yeah. was rich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you was uh, happy, though, wasn't you? I was happy. Didn't get to hunt or fish because I worked all the time, but, hey, that's just how it goes. That's what they say in this industry. Yeah. If you want to hunt or fish. Don't get in the don't industry. Don't get in the industry. <laughs> that's right. That's a, that's a true statement, you know. But, Man, I mean, unless you're a TV star. Oh, yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> there is no such thing as TV stars in this industry, that's other than that. maybe one person. Two. <laughs> I'll give two. Two? 
And I've been here longer than most of those guys, <laughs> so I'll say too. <laughs> anyway, back. Anyway, that's back, another podcast. Another podcast for another day. <laughs> we'll offend a lot of people on that one. But so you know, I you know, I'll never forget. I worked for this oil company, um, and had a great opportunity. I got married at a young age, and. You know, I, I was like working on this great career, and 9/11 happened, and people's like, 9/11, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, I've been through Y2K when everything was going to crash, and I sold more ammo than you could think of. I'm talking crazy really? coming out of the woods. Oh, the computers are going to shut down. I'm like, no, it's not. They're just rolling over double zero. People, come on, let's have some common sense here. And they're like, oh no, the world's stopping. I remember that. Oh, it was stupid. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. So, but when 9/11 happened, I kid you not, I, I had. To, my supervisor, you know, this is the guy that handled all the gas buying for our entire company. And in our small town, we had seven stations, but we had a bulk distribution. I get a phone call, you know. Actually, my pager went off. This was prior, prior to. <laughs> pagers. <laughs> this was prior to if you had a cell phone, oh. you were rich, oh. you know. So I, I had this pager go off, and I'm like, what's what's James on? So I called James. He's like, call everybody in now. Turn your TV on. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, we're under attack. I'm like, you know, I'm like, seriously. He's like, no, go up front, have Marilyn call everybody in now. Really? It's going to be a panic. So I turn on my TV, and, you know, here's these airplanes flying into the World Trade Center. It's just like, Holy crap. Well, Zach, who works for us today, you know, worked for me then. Yeah. He actually rolls in. Hey, they canceled class because he's in college, you know. And I'm like, go clock in. He's like, what? Call Andy. Call this guy. I went. I mean, I had, next thing you know, I had every employee that worked for us at this one station because we were the largest station in town. And, you know, I know I'm I'm, I'm rabbit trailing on us bad like <laughs> we said. We're good, but, <laughs> but, you know, here's a 9-11. You think about that. You know, here we're in the outdoor industry. You don't think about it. It was a chaotic day that day. I had more people try to fight me. Really? I had people want to kill me over gasoline. Oh, Stupid. Yeah. I remember how backed up it was. Oh, my God. I had 87 vehicles trying to get gas at one time. <laughs> I had one guy, literally, he was like, he had three 55-gallon drums in the back of his truck. I got to have gas. I'm dude, you can't get gas. We, No, you can't get gas. You can get five, fifteen, or twenty. That was it. And there was no credit cards, no checks. Five, fifteen, or twenty. That's all we were taking. That girl shuffling cash. Wow. And he's like, "No, I gotta have." You don't understand. I was like, "Dude, it'll be okay tomorrow." His exact statement. This is how dumb people are. And I, that's a, I know that's a bad statement, but this is true. His exact statement was, "There might not be a tomorrow." Of course, me being Mister Speak Off the Cuff, I said. Then why do you need that much gas? In? <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just looks at me, and it finally registered. <laughs> and guess what? Gas prices well, they weren't back to ninety-seven cents like That's they were. Hilarious. But they they went to dollar twenty-nine. You know, I mean. So anyhow, long story. So I went from that thought I had this awesome career, but nine eleven crushed the oil company I was with. Oh yeah, because the people they'd spent their monies and futures so. I realized real quick, okay, my career, I thought, because I didn't go to college. I mean, I did go to college, but I didn't finish because I got talked into going to be with this oil company. Next thing you know, I'm like, I got to have a job. 
because these right. people can't even pay your bills. And when, you know, when companies like Avery and Benelli are calling, like, hey, you ain't paid us in 180 days, <laughs> we're like, oh, crap, you know, who's next? And you start looking at the food chain of this company, and when you can't pay bills, what do you need a guy in here running this operation yeah. for? You know, he's gone. <laughs> so I got an opportunity to work for one of the largest distributors in the country, Big Rock Sports, and went to work for them for a while. And I worked for several large um, rep agencies, um, national agencies. So I guess, what is this, 2018? So it's been 20 long years, and I've been with the the – the company that owns Big and the J now for six. And uh, it's been actually probably the six best years I've ever had because it really truly doesn't feel like six. And that's where you and I really got to know each other because I was telling somebody the other day, it's funny, I've been traveling the state of Arkansas since 2004, going into Johnny's. Yeah. And then here's these strutting buck guys, you know, coming I in. I remember and, that. You know, and, and, and I, I knew Brandon a little bit before you, but, here y'all guys and here we're all full circle where you know <laughs> i come into town and i'm sorry johnny if you listen but i very seldom ever get to johnny's anymore i just come to heath's house you know <laughs> it's like it's bad but that's the true statement yeah. but we do so much business together today yeah but the, you know that's kind of where i'm at today and i love this industry but i've seen it through ups and downs and uh you know, I, I look at the last – I mean, you've really talked about the last two years to change not only retail but even television industry. And um, I don't want the next five years holds. But I don't either. It's a drastic change. Yeah. It really is. There's going to be um, – people are going to survive and the, the copycats are going to go away. Yeah. Well, and Josh can probably speak to that a lot too. But before we get there, Josh, give us a little bit of your – you know, your background into getting into the outdoor industry. Well, you know, it's ironic because, and I really didn't plan to talk about this, but, you know, Aaron, his focus on getting into the outdoor industry was based around 9-11. And, you know, for me, I was working in marketing and advertising and uh, had a really good job. And when when 9-11 happened, you know, I felt left out, uh, you know. And so... I think that for me, it's still wild to think about, you know, today we've got all these like people now that <laughs> don't real, don't remember it. You know, yeah. that, that's how far, uh, that's how old we are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting further and further removed from it, but, um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to go into everything I did, but to make a long story short, I just felt left out and quit my job got out of my lease for everything and joined the army and um how old was you then oh i was old i was like 26 so you know i i, I was working for uh one advertising agency and I in was, the in the outdoor industry or no 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 i wasn't i was uh, i got to do some cool stuff I, I was working on some texas beat projects i got to work on some stuff for tyson chicken i, I had a cool job um we wrote jingles, and hell, I remember there was one time where the the guy didn't, the singer didn't show up, and I had to end up singing the thing that Shut I wrote up. for a radio jingle. Go ahead, give and us I, a little, no, give no. a line, give us a line right uh, quick. Well, <laughs> well, that, Go ahead. Josh. Okay, so I'll tell you, uh, it, it, you know, this was in Tennessee, and Pals, if anybody is listening and knows Tennessee, Pals is a fast food restaurant, and they wanted to do this jingle deal where, you know. 
they wanted to get people to sing in for their supper and you would create these songs. So it was my job to write these really bad songs to songs that were really popular at the time, you know, so people would sing along. And so it was like, <laughs> we went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers song and the one I ended up singing on the air was like, you know, under the bridge. Oh no, you didn't. Yeah. And it was like. Go ahead. Sing it. Come on. Me <laughs> hey, and Heath are musicians. I'm we won't judge too bad. I was like, I don't ever want to eat flat fast food again. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That is awesome. Hey, I'll run downstairs and get a guitar and play that so you can sing it because I can play Under the Bridge all day. Oh, man. And so, uh, yeah, there were some fun times, but, yeah. It, you know, in the end, when, when 9-11 happened, I just I, I felt like I needed to do something. So I spent time in the military and ended up getting busted up. Uh, you know, I've had – I won't, I, you know, I, I don't regret what I did and, and how I did it. And You've had some amazing experiences I, along the way, too. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I felt like <laughs> <laughs> I needed to be in the battle at that time. And, right. and I, I don't I don't regret that at all. And so, um, you know, as it just kind of happened, of course, I've always been a writer and always been – into photography and and videography and you know after i got wounded in iraq i just kind of thought like what do i want to do it's like you know what i grew up watching bill dance and roland martin and everything and this is the industry that i want to work in and and i just kind of found a spot and you know grew from there what did that what did that transition look like for you then so because there's a world of people out there right now that that's their mindset i want to be in that industry so did you get a full-time job then did you work a part-time job did no i you know and, and the thing is i think you got to have humility like it and you got to think at this time i'm in my 30s but i knew i wanted to do it i knew i could go i mean and i actually had some job offers to make and you come from a marketing background too yeah. so I had job offers back then to make more money than I'm making right now. But, you know, you look at that job offer and you look, go, well, there's a lot of unhappiness that comes with that money. Yeah. And uh, so what I did, of course, at the time, I, w I still had a couple of surgeries to do in the Army. Um, you know, I basically cracked the back of my skull. I had my eye orbit under my left eye. I was broke. I mean, there's all these little surgeries, and oh, I'm fine. I didn't, right. you know, it w but it was just a time process to go get surgery, get yeah. bone fragments removed and, and do this stuff. So, um, the, the problem we were having and, and we're still having today where we see veteran suicide and everything going on is it's idle minds. And, you know, I could go off on a whole another tangent yeah. on that, but the army was pretty much like, Hey, we need you to stay doing something that you love well you know when i when i went and said look i used to work in the marketing advertising industry you know i've got a degree i i do all this they're like okay and and i ended up finding texas trophy owners yeah and i was literally an editorial intern but can we can we can we back up just a little bit okay, go. because 
Before he had Trophy Hunters. All right, so we were national sponsors of Trophy Hunters. Yeah. All right. How I Big met and Big and Jay. How I met Josh. I literally was in Grand Island. You know, I live in Arkansas. Me and you, you don't live but a couple hours apart. And that was back in the day when we still believed it was cool to wrap vehicles. You know, <laughs> in quotation here. You know, there's this paper note on my windshield. I kid you not. I was like, what the heck is this crap? You know, <laughs> I get out and here's this. Hey, this is who, – who was the guy? It was Austin. Austin, yeah. He's Kansas. like, Kansas, Purple Heart Ranch, blah, blah, blah. We'd love to buy some feed from you. We've been trying to buy feed from Big and J, blah, blah, blah. You should meet this, you know, our guy, Josh Kinzer in Texas. And I'm like, Josh Kinzer in Texas. <laughs> Anyhow. So, I pick up the phone. We call this Austin Cat. He don't answer his phone. I don't even know that I've still to this day met Austin. I've talked to him. So, I was like, all right, I know a guy in Texas. I call Chase Greenville. Yeah. Chase, if you're listening, yeah, you're involved in this podcast. <laughs> so I called Chase. I was like, hey, you know this Josh Kinzer cat? He's like, yeah, I know Josh real well. I was like, I got this freaking like handwritten note from sixth grade on my <laughs> windshield. <laughs> you know, I need to meet Josh evidently because they want to buy a lot of feed. Again, this was in the infant stages of Big and Jay when, you know, if we went and sold a truckload, we were like, rich you know what i mean we yeah. were big deal you know and uh so coordinate this trip this is prior to use purple heart ranch mm-hmm. all right go down to texas me and chase so chase is we roll into this like high roller fancy like the biggest hotel you've ever seen in your life i thought who's this cat we're meeting i'm like <laughs> Is this like is like is this like Governor Perry or something here in Texas? But like, I was like, told Chase, I was like, can we, I even afford to park in this parking lot in this place? I was like, holy cow! You roll in, here's Josh and PJ. You know, PJ's a, another vet. You know, and we're sitting there, and first thing Josh says, like, man, I've been trying to buy a truckload, but y'all guys don't return emails. So I was like. Let me give you my card because that's not how I operate, you know. <laughs> from then on out, we hit it off from there. We've been like nonstop. And, and, and for people, like, you got to understand, okay, first of all, so Purple Heart Ranch was something that, that we developed uh, to basically give a place for not only wounded veterans but kids whose dads were killed. And then and we had a lot of stuff going on for widows. And so um, – you know, Chase and, and all of us had, had been involved, and and that that actually came after you know because I was just an editorial intern for for Horace Score at Texas Trophy Hunters, and literally the the rule was by the Army I couldn't get paid. Oh yeah. So you was Trophy Hunters. I was Trophy Hunters prior. I, I did not know that. Yeah. I, I, I was prior. <laughs> there you go. Prior to <laughs> wow. Where when you met me, so. Um, you worked with Horace. Yeah. There, and, and literally, Horace was, I mean, Horace is such an interesting character because he would literally, like, joke every day. Be like, Kenzer, I'm going to buy you steak dinner. And by steak dinner, I mean a Bill Miller's barbecue sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that was funny every single day, you know. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, it, it was just – and then – reiterate i didn't live in this fancy hotel that aaron's talking about 
<laughs> it was the JP Marriott that was down the street for me, but where I lived, I lived in a little neighborhood off the side of it. It was great because I had a FedEx, and I, I thought, hey, I can impress these guys. But yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, first thing I asked, because, you know, back then I played a little bit of golf before yeah. we were, like, real busy. I was like, dude, what's the cost to tee off here? He's like, I don't know, like 195 bucks. It's like, oh, crap, it's like 15 where I live. I can't play here, you know. <laughs> that, that was it, yeah. That's if you're a member. If a member. <laughs> I, it was an awesome-looking course. This is I ain't kidding you. This is like the biggest – I don't know that I've still to this day, and I've stayed in a lot of hotels. That's the biggest it, it place is, I've ever been. It is the largest TPC. Of course, this was a couple of years ago because I used to do a whole bunch of stuff with the Valero Texas Open. and So, you know, we had to do a lot of things there. But it was the largest by land TPC Marriott in the world at that time. I have wow. no idea if that's still true. Oh, it's crazy. But it, so, on to my Josh Kinzer history. So, <laughs> here he's trying to buy a truckload from us, not talking to me. Nobody evidently wants to take this man's money. Well, okay, Aaron will take your credit card gladly because that's what I do. I'm, I'm here to make money. Right. You know, I still don't think I sold you a truckload. You by never that, did. We'll, by we'll that, figure it out but, soon. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, by that time, you done started moving on, so – we had been sponsoring Texas Trophy Hunters, great guys. But at that point in time, you know, we're a company trying to figure. And you know me. Me and you talked about marketing. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I look at television and be like, I don't give a crap who you are. Unless your name's Michael Waddell, it don't matter. Yeah. I mean, and that's truth. And anyhow, sorry, all y'all TV, TV guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking at this budget of these dollars we're spending. Now, I know what kind of sales we got. And our marketing, you know, they say it should be one-tenth of your sales. Well, your sales shouldn't be one-tenth of your marketing budget. <laughs> but that's what we were at the time. I was like, holy crap, this is not sustainable, guys. I know we have a lot of money backing us. Right. But at some time in our <laughs> lifetime, these guys are going to cut us <laughs> off. You know, so I, I was talking to Josh, and, and he's like, hey, I'm going to work for Trophy Hunters. I was like. Well, crap, I was fixing to cut them, you know? <laughs> I was like, I like Josh, though. I was like, y'all can't be pouring corn out. You got to fix that if we're staying. He's like, done. And it was like the best two years of trophy. I mean, Josh was like, there was no, I ain't kidding you, there was no corn. It was like bleeding BB square everywhere, you know? I mean, it was awesome. It was like the best relationship ever. Yeah. But he understood. He understood how to take, because, you know, it wasn't a $20,000 check, man. I mean, it was a big check. Yeah. I mean, it was at that point in time when I started, Trophy Hunters was half of our revenue. Hmm. And that was just one TV show. We sponsored like 12. I was like, you know, it was truly unsustainable at the time. And uh, so I know I'm going to be as bad as John a little bit. I'm not rabbit trailing. We're John Hill up. don't rabbit trail. No, hey, John, I love you, buddy. <laughs> I'm not rabbit trailing. It's just a long story. So, because <laughs> I know he's going to listen. Oh, yeah. So, so fast forward to we took Zach, which Zach skipped out on us. He had to go home. Um, you know, Zach's been my best friend my whole life, and he's worked for me twice now. And uh, he's kind of my right hand guy when it comes to sales. But we'd never really taken Zach on a hunt. So, Zach goes on this trophy hunters. And it's, the only way we went is like, if, is, I was like, Josh, let's go hunt. I was like, you going to be there? If you're not coming, I'm not coming. 
He's like, oh, we'll be there. I was like, good, we're having fun. You know, I mean, we're going we're to have a good time. Right. So Josh and Zach were together, and I'd been down there before, so I was with the ranch owner, you know, and I kind of felt bad because I think I shot seven deer on that trip, you know. I mean, it was just like it was an MLD hunt. You know, I'm Arkansas. I shot like three spikes. I didn't oh, care. No. But we were just – he's like, hey, will you kill that deer? I was like, out of the truck window, kill it. It was over, dead. I'm just a killer. You know, I'm not a horn hunter. Dude says kill it, we kill it, you know. So we're 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 like jacking around because I mean I ain't kidding. In the back of our buggy, he's like like five deer, you know. And Josh and Zach were hunting pretty hard to kill Zach, pretty good deer. Well, my guys got this bright idea. We seen them coming. You know, they're an electric. Was it a, that was was it electric? No, it was Kawasaki. Yeah, it was. But we seen the lights off. So okay, you know we're only on the Mexican border. And these guys are like, hey, dude, let's let's hide in the bushes and jump out. I'm like, I'm sitting in the buggy, you know, me. I'm pretty laid back. I'm like, well, that's a little scary. Well, I just get out. Well, these guys are probably 30 yards ahead of me because I was on my phone, workaholic, looking at my stuff. No. <laughs> and uh, Not you. And, uh, I can't believe you went on a hunt, actually. I'm kind of shocked. Hey, but they had Wi-Fi. I was there. Okay. That's good. So, I kid you not. And – and uh, you know Zachary, all of a sudden these guys are like they're, they're hunkered down behind this big mesquite tree, and I heard because I'm very observant. I heard the accelerator come off. You know what I mean? This is yeah. like, and Josh says, "Get the gun." I kid you not. You, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I mean, here's me. These guys up here being stupid. They don't realize what Josh said because they're kind of in a ditch. I'm still kind of up high. He can't see me. But I'm in between. Josh is like, get the gun. So, all right, they were sponsored by Daniel Defense. So, this wasn't like a Remington 30-06. This was a freaking AR-15 with you shooting 6.8 SPC yeah, at this yeah, point in time. Like, you know, all of a sudden, Zach's like, and you know Zach. Zach's like, dude, you take the gun. I've never killed anybody. You've been – freaking iraq like three times you take the gun <laughs> i was like oh, i was like instantly it's like whoo i got behind the buggy i was like people's gonna die tonight because oh, josh has got the gun when i flashback <laughs> but josh thought that because there was a bunch of illegal right. trafficking through there he, he's like they're not because he even said he's like dude y'all weren't running i thought y'all were going to take our buggy <laughs> but as soon as zach said you take the gun. I've never killed nobody. I was like, this has gone bad real fast. Oh, my Lord. I was like, oh, I mean, so you know, we laughed about it later. But right. you think about it. I mean. You never know. This dude could have had a flashback and killed us all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, and the funny thing was, I, I seriously, because nobody, I could see the guys hiding down, and I could see them crouching closer to the road. Oh, yeah. Because they weren't as hidden as they thought. No. So, in my mind, I'm like, I've got guys – Getting ready to ambush me. Not, flashback, flashback. Because you know, I, I run into illegals all the time. I, I mean, I, this is my life yeah. in doing stuff down in South Texas. And when they see me, they run. <laughs> well, guys don't run. I got red flags going. Something's wrong. Something's I, wrong. Yeah. That's why I said flashback. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see Zachary because they had the, like the sunset. I could see Zach trying to hand Josh the gun. <laughs> An accelerator was coming off, so I'm thinking in my mind, we're fixing to have Josh Kinzer flashback and kill everybody out here. 
because he done shot people in his life. He were y'all filming for TV on this? Yes, thing? we were filming for TV, <laughs> oh, but there was better. there was nobody filming because it was dark. <laughs> there was just a skylight, you know. I mean that, so he couldn't tell what we were. Right. So I mean, but I heard. I I was smart enough to hide. <laughs> the one thing about it. Those other guys might have got shot, but I would have survived to tell the story. <laughs> I would have got Josh out of prison. So that's how it was going to be that night. So we laughed about that all night. I mean, we're like, you know, everybody's like, dude, we, that was probably not the smartest thing to do. That was a bad deal. And even Carlos, you know, Carlos is like, that's pretty, that, what were we thinking? You know, I'm like, yeah, Carlos, come on, guys, you know. So how long were you Texas Trophy Hunters before this transition with Big and Jay and Swagger? Well, if you, if you can compass everything like as a writer and you know editor i mean i i was with them for it was like eight years hmm. you know so it was a long of course my role changed yeah you know throughout that but um you know it, it was a long and, and i still have a good relationship with those guys oh, yeah. and, and, and do a lot of stuff with them but um you know i i think that if you if you go back to me as a I don't know I always go back and and I had this kind of midlife crisis at 25 not not your normal but you know I just thought at 25 like god I'm pretty boring I work at this marketing <laughs> agency and it, but it, what, what what you know as a kid like yeah I wanted to be flying fighter jets and and you know I've Doing never, cool stuff. I've never had that. That's thought. why he joined the military. I've never <laughs> felt that way one or, time in my life. You know, if I'm not doing that, I want to be Babe Winkleman or I want to be Roland Martin or, oh, or yeah. and of course I'm I'm none of those guys, you know, but I mean Kenneth Lancaster, I, I just you want to be like them all. <laughs> you you look at at the the amount of time you have on this earth and I don't know, I've seen so many of my friends get jobs that where they make a lot of money. And they're just completely miserable. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's, there's, what point miserable. is it? And, you know, right now, uh, I look at what I get to do with my daughters and, and the amount of time we spend in the outdoors and, and it's just a, it's a blessing. I mean, it really is because that time, I, I can't get that time back. You know, if I miss everything with them and I don't get to teach them how to hunt and I don't get to teach them how to do this and that, I don't get a second chance. Well, you know, you talk about, so, like on my background, I think about when I left retail. So, I left that old company. I actually, you know, I kind of cut a blip out, but I worked for one other gentleman in my life. Great. Probably one of the better gunsmiths in the nation when it comes to repairing old firearms yeah like nationally known learned a lot um helped him build a retail location that he could actually sell that was his goal he had a house he was a gunsmith he had a ton of guns but that's it so brought in the fishing and in the, the archery side of the business and then my goal was to buy that and own my own really outdoor industry deal and i'll never forget so so this would have been an 03 when he was getting ready to retire so you know me and my wife we my daughter was born i mean at that point in time my daughter was born 
Let's see. Yeah, I think that was the year she was born. She'll be mad at me if I got that wrong. Oh, yeah. You messed um, that up already. Um, I told my wife, I was like, this is the money it's going to cost to buy this thing. <laughs> she you didn't know? like it. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't that she didn't like it. It's like, she's like, can you go to bed every night knowing you owe that kind of money? I'm like, because she knew my personality. Yeah. Because I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would have peace, even though I want to own my own business. But this is a lot of money. This is a, yeah. a risk. And at that point in my life, I wasn't ready to take that kind of risk. Yeah. Not in risk. So my wife was still working on her degree. And I was like, I'm just going to, you know, buckle down and get you through school. And, and that's where that opportunity to see, you see, you talk about people are happy. I wasn't unhappy where I was. But then all of a sudden, this opportunity come. Yeah. And I had to make a decision. Like, and it wasn't like I didn't have six months a year to have it. I had a friend call me and said, hey, I'm quitting my job. I have an opportunity to take a better job. Would you be interested in this? If so, I think you're a perfect candidate. I'm going to put your name in the hat. Went to my, he's like, I need to know tomorrow. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, wow. you got a month to think about it. I need to know tomorrow. Oh, wow. Build your resume tonight if you're interested, because if you say I'm interested, I need to turn it in tomorrow. I'm going to tell them, this is your top candidate. Go talk to this kid. And that's the kid at the time. So here's a career I was happy with. I loved what I did. I mean, granted, dealing with retail people, dealing with the public, you want to throat punch a lot of people at the end of the day, but oh, yeah. I still loved what I did. Yeah. I, I love making people happy in what their passion was. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like a guy coming in and harvesting a deer with a bow you set up. Yeah. You know, or a kid, whatever. So anyhow, so I, me and my wife were having these soul searching. Again, you know, I made $25,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> I was broke. Just yeah. didn't realize it at the time. My wife waitress on the weekends i mean we barely seen each other and um i was like what are we gonna do babe she's like whatever you want to do i was like i don't know i want to buy this but i can't go to bed at night knowing i owe this kind of money and then we lose what little we do have right so anyhow i just you know prayed about it did all these things it's like all right i'm gonna do this interview you know and i felt dishonest to the the man that i worked for at the time for even having the interview. For even having the interview. So <laughs> I did my resume, and my resume was crap other than 98 to, to time 03, because this was December. I was in the outdoor industry, and I worked at that time for some in, – in the state of Arkansas, big people, you know. And uh, and then I had a really guy, a big, a good friend that's been in the industry who – basically put my name on top of the deck because it was his job he was leaving said and he said here's the guy to hire i know and so this guy calls and I, mean, I don't get nervous about much in life but this guy's like hey uh i'm coming up to batesville i'm gonna interview is this day work you know so anyhow i took this interview and this guy sits down to me and you know i've told my wife i was like i've never been so nervous in my life <laughs> <laughs> This is this is like big time opportunity for us. I stay in what I love, right. the outdoor industry. 
But now I have the potential to make great money. I have no clue what I'm going to do or what my job is to do, but I'm going to make potentially great money doing what I love to do. Yeah. So this guy interviews me anyhow, and I'm sitting here, and he's got like all these candidates that's got education, and I have nothing but it. And, of course, first thing I say is, look, I don't have a college degree, but my education is the outdoor industry, and you won't have another guy that outworks me. I guarantee you that. That's first all thing, you could promise him. That's all I could because he said you got two minutes. So I tell everybody, selling a product is easy. He said, you got two minutes to sell me in yourself and tell me something everybody else hadn't told me. I was oh, like, wow. well, I don't know what everybody else told you. So I was like, <laughs> so I'm just assuming this thing. I'm, I'm just, in my mind, I'm thinking everybody's told you how smart they good they are, how good they are in the industry, what they're, I mean, I was just thinking about, they was thinking about their expertise. Right. Well, I was just thinking about, I'm dumb. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you think about that. I'm dumb. <laughs> when I say dumb, I don't have a college education. You, you mean don't, ignorant. You, ignorant. You don't – see, there you go. That's what I said. I'm dumb. You do not want Aaron Keller to write your emails or essays because you will fail. Okay? That's me. My wife was an English major. That's why my English degree or my English courses were so great. She helped do it. Yeah. My in-class school, uh, uh, grades sucked. My out-of-class grades Awesome, because my wife proofread them. So you know, so I'm kidding you. So I'm sitting there thinking I'm dumb, but I'm I'm a quick thinker. I'm, I'm fast on my feet. So I'm like, at first I just told him I was like, Look, I don't give a crap what everybody else told you. I'm not probably smarter than any of them, but I'll tell you, none of them are gonna work harder than me. And hard work is what makes money at the end of the day. That's what I told him. I mean, just that flat symbol. It wasn't even. He's like, he looked at me. He shook my hand. He said, "You're hired." I was like, "What? What? Really? I'm hired?" Holy God! I told him. I was like, "Holy crap! I got the job." Didn't you know what it paid? I was like, I didn't, I didn't ask none of that, but I went to work for a big company. So, you know, uh, I went from that career right there to where I am today. And, I mean, you talk about in this industry and people don't really where we're at. I think that was the question. Is that where we're at? I don't know got off on a tangent. I did, oh, no. I did John I'm Hill. I'll call there. you John Hill. That's bad. John, gosh dang it, I said it wasn't going to be you. Huh? I did rabbit hole. What was the original question? I don't remember, but 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 you know you talk about Josh's career. So I, I think start, I think Josh was answering the question about how he got in the industry, and you just well, you just kind of took over. I did. Josh <laughs> Josh had to vacate for a second, so I was killing dead air time as well. But you know, so I started here in this position, and this was in two thousand and four. Here's a young kid at no college degree, and. I bet everything on a work ethic to where I am today. And I remember what it was about, you know, it's talking about money and all this. I've had some job opportunities. Oh, yeah. Like you said, I had this headhunter company call me out of the blue, which is flattering. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, we'd like you to submit a resume. I'm like, for what? Well, we really can't talk about it. Well, I really can't submit a resume if you don't tell me what we're talking about because you called me, you know. <laughs> That's what I told them. Yeah. They kind of chuckle. Uh, you know, I'm like, no, seriously. How did you get my phone number? Who told you to call me? I'm not looking for a job. But, you know, so they throw this. They're like, well, you know, this is a pretty high-paying gig. Okay, so I'm just like, I'm like, let's just throw a big number out there. And I threw it, and they're, they're like $20,000 above this number I threw out. I'm like, <laughs> Holy crap, you know, <laughs> this is a big dollar. <laughs> but today, I, you know, I tell you, said, I make, I can make a lot more money elsewhere. 
But happiness is worth a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That company, and I ain't saying their name because they're a big company in this industry, and I ain't saying I'm smart, but they've been through four people since they wanted me to put my name in this hat for this job. Four. Wow. So how how what's a high-dollar paying job do for you today? If I'd have took it, I could have been number five. Yeah. Because – they might not want work ethic. They might, you know. Yeah. You know, and so when you talk about happiness in this industry and all that kind of stuff and people want to get in this and, oh, I love hunting. If you love hunting, stay away. But <laughs> 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 Well, you know, but I think uh, if you go back to what Heath asked me, uh, I get people, and just this week I had two people, I really want to work in the hunting industry. Like, how, how do I do it? And my question was, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do sales? No, I'm not good in sales. All right. Do you want to do marketing? Well, no, I don't. I, what? You can't just be vague and say, hey, I want to work yeah. in hunting. You you have to have a skill. You have to bring value. That you bring. Yeah. To, and I, I, and what about it, I want to be famous? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's another podcast. But, it, it, but, but let's talk about famous because there's truly no famous. No. I've not. worked with, I'm not going to say everybody in this industry, but if you're a who's who, I've probably, I would say 60% of you I've wrote you a check somewhere along the way. Somewhere, yeah. And there's only one of you I'm still with as far as big names. Yeah. Not thanks, strutting. Thanks, Aaron. Not Appreciate strutting. Appreciate that. Hey. <laughs> There's a reason you and I are still friends. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not a big name. So but you're humble about it. I'm so devastated. But, you're hum- but, th- so, but think about that. I know. So I, I hear people all the time, man, I, you know, I'm so connected in this. I've been doing this for so many years. And you walk down you walk down a trade show. Okay, let's, let's talk about ATA. You walk down a trade show. Let's walk down a trade show when they're setting the show up. Yeah. And if you don't know anybody in that trade show when they're setting it up, you ain't connected. Just because you know somebody on the outdoor channel or a marketing guy at a, at a, a, a firm, you ain't connected. Because at the end of the day, that don't turn dollars. Yeah. Unless you know the buyer at Bass Pro, Tractor Supply, Walmart, you ain't connected. I don't give a crap what you say. Yeah. And that, and that's a true statement. I mean, like you said, I have people all the time, well, man, I'm not good at sales. Well, let me tell you something. If you ain't good at sales and marketing, you need to go shovel freaking dirt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because that's the only two options there are in this industry. Unless you want to be a warehouse worker, it really is sales and marketing. That's it. I'm not hating on a warehouse worker. <laughs> I got great warehouse workers. I love my guys. But seriously, I'm being, you know, I mean, there's these people that think they bring this. Well, you, oh, I know all these people, or I do this, I do that. I don't give a crap or, what you know or what you do. What kind of I dollars did you bring, or what kind deer. of? Va- oh God, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never – was it this year? That, so, this is 2018. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> so, we're sitting there. I think I've made a statement this ATA. There's people carrying these horns around ATA. And if you're one of these guys that carried horns around ATA, just leave them at home. Quit being an idiot. And I agree. Please so stop. the first just thing stop. I said is like, okay, these guys have no clue about what this industry is, and they'll be gone in five years. Mm-hmm. And now, everybody's like, what do you mean? I was like, they're carrying antlers around here because the only people they're going to impress 
is the other people that's writing their own check to be on television. You aren't on TV because the TV wants you. You're on TV because your ego's so big that you got to write a check because you think you're that good of a freaking hunter. Yes, I said it. <laughs> how you really we, feel? I don't we have want gone down the rabbit hole. Oh, we have. <laughs> but how many? How many big? How many racks did you see walking around? How how many arrows did Aaron Keller set in a tree stand last year? Zero. I took my daughter for 19 minutes. We shot the biggest deer on our farm. Not because I'm a great hunter, because we just so happened to be in the right freaking place at the right time, and she killed it. Okay? I didn't hunt. Why? Because I have a career, and it's called sales and running a company and making money, not costing money. Outdoor television costs 100% of the people in the industry money, except the people that's carrying them racks around. And they think they're big poo because they're carrying a rack around. But, well, I, I would almost say that. I know we didn't want to get on television people today, <laughs> but I am. The, the people that are carrying those racks around, they aren't, a lot of times, they aren't television people. They're people that think that, <laughs> and, and, and I get emails all the time, that people think that I should sponsor them because they killed a, a big deer oh, yeah. one time. And, you know, it, it's just a, <clears throat> yes. Do I want to kill a big deer? And, and I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I used to actually think that there was some sort of fame and celebrity status that came about if I killed, or not killed, I'm, uh, harvested. Let me try it again. When I was a kid, <laughs> growing up. Killed. This is I, a podcast. This ain't national television. This is true. When I was a kid, I thought that growing up, that if I caught a big bass, that I would somehow have some sort of fame. You oh, know, yeah. if I got a citation bass, I, I literally in my in my brain, I thought, man, I I got the big time. I got a dumb question. And, and, and I tell you now, as a grown up, I still see grown ups thinking that. If they sat in the right tree at the right time and a big deer walked out and they killed it, then suddenly they deserve sponsorship. That's right. So you're exactly right. Yeah. So it's kind of like let's go to the bass fishing deal because bass fishing is probably one of my true passions because if I actually get a downtime, it's the peak in Arkansas, the peak fishing season. Fishing relaxes me. If you're sitting in a deer stand, what are you doing? You're sitting there, I think. Fishing, I focus. But I'm not freaking i'm not naive enough to realize that hey i went i won two tournaments this year on the circuit that i fished i could fish with kevin van damme no i can't at all <laughs> i fish tournaments for one reason because it makes aaron keller i got tournament next weekend i gotta go fish because if i didn't fish tournaments i will find a reason not to go well even though fishing is my passion i work so much i kind of like to be home but because it is my passion I fished my little local tournaments for nothing more from bragging rights to be like I beat my buddy this weekend. Hey, you had 12 pounds, I had 14, or vice versa. But I know just because, you know, a few years ago, me and my buddy, we were like points leader for two or three years in a row, but I never once in my life thought I could go compete on a national yeah. level. That's the problem with hunters. I think they go, man, I go to Kansas and I shot three 150s the past three years. Who gives a crap? I could go to Kansas and kill three 150s, too, if I had seven days to go spend in the same tree stand on the deer lease that I had. Yeah. I don't have that opportunity. It's not about killing big deer. It's never been about killing big deer in this industry. It's about hunting. I mean, 
I shot a 156. Woo, big whoopty freaking dude. Fair chasing. But for what you are talking about on the television side of it, and I talked about this with somebody last week, and this was something we need to talk about because you're talking about one, a passion that you enjoy. It's yes. not a career. Not a career. More of a hobby passion. But what I see, even in the hunting, let's say your passion is hunting. There's so much more to it on the television side than see ya. See ya. We got one checking out on us. See you, Chris. There's there's so much more. I was talking about this the other day. When the true, I don't know what you want to call it. Let's call it the happy place. <laughs> when is when your your best talent and your greatest passion combined. That's when you find your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So because they'll never work opposite each other. So let's say your greatest passion or your greatest talent is in an area you're not passionate about. You're never going to be fully satisfied, and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So if your if your greatest passion is being on television, that's what you think. But you're terrible at sales and marketing, and you're terrible 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 at dealing with people, and you're ter- terrible at how, figuring out how to drive traffic. I don't care if you kill a 180 every other weekend; it don't matter because they all have to work together. It's not right. just one element of saying I can shoot a deer with a bow or a gun long range. There's so many more elements of the business side that you have to have to combine it all. I think people get that mixed up sometimes. They well, think just because I'm passionate about hunting, I should be in the hunting industry. Well, they do. You know? I mean, uh, when I was, I guess, 17, 18, well, that's when I was in, I mean, I was I was in Nashville recording at a studio, Arden, paying money, like yeah. most TV people. Yeah, that's paying, a great example. Paying money. To go record. For the people that don't know me, music is probably my top passion in life. Yeah. So, you know, there's not many instruments I haven't been able to pick up and play. And you're actually really good at it. Yeah, well, no, I'm running the mill. There's a lot of good musicians. I'm running the mill. That's the difference. I understand. But this is a great point. You're but, a great so, musician, but not good enough to that's make right. money. That's exactly right. But, so, you know, we're just like every young punk think we're going to be the next deal. We were literally in Nashville at Ardent Studios, and, and nobody here knows who Ardent is, but that's, that's Peter Frampton, Cinderella. That's all those people that recorded there. We were there recording an album. Okay, this wasn't paid for by any other company, but Aaron Keller's pocketbook <laughs> and a few others. But we were young, stupid television, okay? Yeah. We actually had the lady there approach us about ASCAP. And for everybody on this podcast has no clue who ASCAP is, well, Fuel, you probably do. I don't even know who Fuel is, but Fuel was an ASCAP band. This was basically like coming in and said, hey, we're going to pay for all your studio time. We're going to pay you a small salary. You're going to go on the road, and you're going to be something maybe if we sell you. That was the deal. Yeah. But it was like, I can't do this for that. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll make more money than this doing what I'm doing. You're, you're going to pay me like $10,000 a year to be a musician and travel? And then when you sell you're taking all the dollars you spent to build me away from everything i made but there's people that sign it every day really because they're so naive to not realize it's a childhood dream it's your passion so music is still a passion of mine today i play it i play a guitar almost a every day yeah for fun that's right <laughs> because i realized real quick i could not make a living in that particular passion it's not that i wasn't necessarily wasn't as good, good enough but there's a lot of people out there that's better yeah. And there's people that are, I won't say dumb enough, but maybe have the ability to stick with it for $10,000 a year. Yeah. I, mean, I can't do that. So I had to give to Gab, you know, and I'm, I'm a sales guy. I mean, that's what I do. So my passion also was the outdoor business. And 
I didn't even tell you how I got in the outdoor business. It's kind of a funny story. I was framing houses. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I graduated at a young age, not because I was a really smart person, but because my parents stuck me in school way too freaking early. So I graduated at the age of 17. And when school started the next year, I was still 17. So I couldn't even get a real job. Wow. So I fortunately had a company that would take me on framing houses, which I wasn't supposed to do, but they did. You know, they would hire three to fire two, and I was the dumb kid that crawled on top of crap you shouldn't crawl on top of because I've never had much fear. You know, I was yeah. like, if I hit the ground, it's going to hurt. That was my mentality. And it was a bad winter, and I literally was driving to a a lumber yard because, again, framed houses, I knew lumber good, all this crap. Now, I was an archer shooter, and I was a hunter. Drove by a sporting goods store. This oil company is like, Help wanted and sporting goods. It's like, let's pull in here. This will be way funner than freaking looking at two befores, you know. <laughs> Wham, here I am today. Kid you not, I, I walked in. They're like, what do you do? I frame houses. You hunt? Yep. You know how to work on a bow? Yeah. You're hired. I mean, that was it. That was the interview because yeah. <clears throat> that's where I am today. But that passion stopped me. I mean, I didn't want to look at freaking two befores and put freaking crap on people's Think about that. Yeah, but there's people that that's their passion. They're great it at it. That's, that's right. where their talent and passion combine. I loved building houses. Yeah, I didn't want to work at a lumber yard though. Yeah, I got you. But I will tell you, I mean, because I was the only reason I even went and looked at the sporting goods deal. Again, I loved to hunt. I lived at mom's house at that time. Again, I was 17. <laughs> it's like I couldn't get a real job. Yeah. So what I do the whole time that was snowing and raining and couldn't build houses, what did I do in the month of November? in tree stands i shot a lot of stuff but i was running out of capital real quick yeah and i was smart enough to know i can't put gas in this vehicle if i ain't got no cash in that bank yeah and that's and, that, and that's truly how i ain't kidding you. i was driving to <clears throat> hip slumber <laughs> stopped off at freaking reno's outdoors <laughs> really? wham career started 1998 to where i am today 20 years you had a lot of success on the resale retail side of things when you were a rep oh yeah I mean, you rep for a lot of companies. Muck boots, bear archery. Kind of, some of them helped get started, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of companies I help. I mean, you take a Hoyman Saws. I mean, Andrew Hoyman, great product, bat and field body. I mean, you take Muck boots. I worked for those guys for Honeywell Bottom. I mean, you know, I remember in 2008, I was the top sales guy in the nation for Muck boots, you know. Yeah. Everybody's like, how are you selling so many Muck boots? I said, freaking, it's raining everywhere. <laughs> what do you think? We get 48 <laughs> inches a year. This is easy. But that was before Bass Pro was huge. You know, yeah. you had Max and Fort Thompson, these big, big retailers, yeah. independents. You know, Arkansas was, and Louisiana was kind of that untapped territory. There was no major chains in there yet. You yeah. Know, they didn't happen the past six, seven years. Yeah. So I had that last. I want, I want to lead into something here, but before we get there, I want to go backtrack just right quick, both of you, Josh and Aaron. Um because <laughs> you probably crushed some TV guys' dreams I'm right sorry, now. Hey, <laughs> so, let's backtrack. Before can, I, I get, can I say I, one it's thing? Because Chase has started calling me. He's, he's heard what's going on. And the, he's calling me now the hammer. The hammer, Josh. The I'm hammer. just glad somebody else is the main guy So, now. Josh, I don't even know if he mentioned you, what you do. We ain't got to that point yet. But Josh is overseas marketing for, uh, for Big and Jay and Swagger. And does an incredible job. But so, Josh, real quick though, before we get into where I want to go with this whole podcast, an hour into this thing now, is what would you tell a guy? Because you hammer guys left and right, you cut guys, you bring on guys. But let's say the answer don't say the answers don't get in it. 
give me what would you recommend a new guy wanting to get in the television industry or something in the outdoor industry? Maybe it's not even television. So, I what? think the, the the things you have to recognize as a as a TV show or, or a YouTube show or whatever, which I'm I'm open to look at. Yeah. There's a qualitative aspect, and there's a quantitative aspect. So, you know, we measure everything off of CPM. So, you can go make the prettiest photo, and you can go make the prettiest video in the world, and it could be great. But if you don't have eyeballs on it, then your value to me is, you know, less than nothing. Right. So, I think that what I see... And I would say it's it's the most frustrating thing in what I do is I have TV show after TV show after TV show come up to me and give me a media kit or they email me a media kit and there's no numbers. And, and you know, that's the most important thing for us. How many eyeballs are watching right. what you do? And... So I kind of enacted a po- policy that, you know, anybody that's listening, if you don't put numbers in your media kit, I have no responsibility to respond to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have time to deal with that. And, you know, because at the end of the day, your job is eyeballs on your it, brand. It's eyeballs on the brand. Yeah. And, and I, <clears throat> I don't understand. I think. You know, okay, so how do you – the, the newcomer coming in, though, that's just in year one or two of the show, YouTube or digital or, or TV, what is their hope? <laughs> I guess well, I'm trying to provide there, hope. There is hope. But let me let me give you how the, the, the rest <clears throat> of the, the industry – not – let me give you an example of how There's the hope with the Josh Kinzer. I, there ain't much. It's slim pickets. <laughs> Very less even with me, though. So, let, okay, when, when somebody buys a commercial for – uh, the Super Bowl, right? They're they're buying this big, huge platform. Well, they're guaranteed eyeballs, right? And you know, ESPN and ABC, uh, not not this Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl before, had to refund thirty six million dollars, thirty six million dollars because they didn't hit their eyeballs. Yeah, that's how important eyeballs are. Oh yeah. Every other industry is refunding money off of eyeballs. So when you come to me and you say, hey, I've got this great TV show or I've got this great thing, I'm all for it. And I'm, I'm looking for new people to do the right thing. And mainly the reason I'm looking for new people is because the people that I've worked with in the past – aren't focused on eyeballs. But you said the perfect thing, new people. But here's the problem, new people. So you're a lot probably better to deal with than I am. <laughs> In some aspects, but, you sometimes. know, maybe. But I, I, for all you TV guys, I'm sorry, but I hate television. We own our own TV show. I hate television. <laughs> okay? Until Josh comes. That's because, so funny. Because until – so. Uh, you think about it in the past there was no way to i didn't know how to quantify it to use a josh term quantify it you know and uh again because i'm a i'm a dumb hillbilly i'm 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 freaking learning this crap as i go i'm just a i'll i will out just work i will outwork that's true that's my i will outwork you so (laughs) 
an ATA show, you know, you get these people, oh, I've got the next best thing. You're killing freaking deer. He gives a crap. You know, that's my mentality. So <laughs> you're not an innovator. What are you doing? Yeah. Because I know that's what this podcast is about, and we've got way off on a rap trip. Oh, but, we're so far off. But but it's, <laughs> it's so look at the Outdoor Channel. And Josh taught me this. Nobody else but Josh Kinzer. Unless you're the top five, and I'm on the, I'm on the even there now, unless you're the top one, I don't give a crap about you. You're from, not, a, from a sponsorship standpoint. From a sponsorship standpoint, because you don't bring the eyeballs. Yeah. Why? So here's the deal. So you take, so what was, what was we look at? There's like, on per Sportsman's Channel, let's use them because they're a freaking tanking. They lost How do you nothing. really feel, Aaron? So, but seriously, they lost 19 million people. I mean, why, let's, let's be honest about this deal. And the people I don't want to admit it. So, let, so this, is, this is awesome. We looked at the top 10, okay? But when you really took it, it was the top three. All right? If you The top three are the eyes. So, four to 10, there wasn't even no difference, hardly? Four to 60, there wasn't any difference. Really? So why would uh, yeah. I pay for sixty thousand dollars a year when I can sponsor sixty for three? Yeah. Hundred. <laughs> I mean, so unless you're Pigman on Sportsman's Channel, Brian does a great job. I mean, he's probably the top Sportsman's Channel show. Him and Mediator. And yeah. guess what? Mediator left. That's right. Why? Because he lost nineteen thousand eyeballs. Million eyeballs. Yeah. So, just, so again, so it's no different with our TV show. What makes us different? Be innovators. Everybody today, even Aaron Keller, can kill a big deer, okay? You can, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a better hunter than you. Oh, let's be freaking Neanderthals. No. (laughs) Outdoor television is about selling product. If you're not getting into outdoor television, if you're getting into outdoor television to be famous, go drive a NASCAR or stock car (laughs) because you got a better chance. Yeah. You really do. You're about right. But he, you're going to spend the same kind of money. Whatever but, you do ha- has to have, and I'll use a fancy marketing term called conversion, right? So we know Michael Waddell can convert yes. what he does to sales. Best show we sponsor so, dollar-wise. A- absolutely. So everybody that has a show. And let's just say it's the most, too, mm-hmm. but it generates. It is a proven fact. You He's, can back yeah. it by data. He. Not just data. Okay, I'm in sales. I, I mean, so let's. I'm gonna. Heath is an innovator because if you look at my catalog today, all 26 pages. <laughs> not that catalog. Not that catalog. <laughs> that's an inside joke. That's just say on that. Yeah, Aaron's still mad at me because I, I had a 10-page catalog. Josh has a 26-page <laughs> magazine. Heath came in and made a four-page catalog. That's right. So <laughs> I'm an innovator. That's right. But I'll never forget, I, I had this catalog, and we're flipping through it, and they're like, I don't remember who it was, but they're like, man, these are great photos. I'm like, yeah, that's Heath. That's Brandon. Heath. Brandon. Oh, crap, every freaking image in our catalog is from Stratton Bucks. These guys are innovators in the fact that they understand that I need images. I need product photos. I need content. Well, Josh, mentioned- can you spell content for me for these people listening so they understand what content means? It is C O N 
T-E-N-T. I don't give a crap how famous you think you want to be unless you're providing me content you will well, never that's, get. Well, well, I, I want to interrupt because I, you asked, here's a big thing for me. I can't tell you how many emails I get a month. I know it's a lot. That say sponsorship. <laughs> and I Sorry, it has a media kit. And sponsorship is spelled wrong. Oh, Jesus. Aaron like Keller typed that email. I, and I, I'm not saying like, hey, man, you know, I, granted, I was an English major. <laughs> Me and Heath I, were not. I, we were not. I can I take a picture, but, but I ain't spelling Come nothing. on, man. You've got to know how to spell sponsorship. And you got to know. Well, it's no different. You got to know that there's not a C in sponsorship when you're asking me. Because here's the thing: when it comes down to sponsorship, whether it be Michael Waddell or it be Josh Kinzer or whatever, the whole idea of sponsorship is who is going to influence the buyer right. yeah. to make that conversion. There's two buyers in that that nobody's mm-hmm. thinking about. Though there, you're right. There, there's the, there's the Josh the, Kinzer people you're focusing mm-hmm. on, and then there's the guys I focus on. I tell people every day. So, you're an innovator because you were the first show. I will tell you, you set the standards. You got a lot of people fired for us. <laughs> but, so, well, but, it's, but, it's, but it's because we focused on the bag. That's right. And blurred out I don't the, give the, the a face. crap about your stupid face. <laughs> next to my bag and i'm sorry if i offend a lot of people but i'm just being truthfully honest because at the end of the day my brand is what i'm trying to make money on if you want to take a photo that's got your focal point to put on your website do that i need a photo for me you know because that's my why brand, you're being paid that's right that's really? why you're being paid and i'm not paying you because you think you're a great hunter i don't give a crap being a great there's there's 600 great hunting TV shows out there. Or seven. Well, now. There used to be 700. Then, now there's probably, now there's probably <laughs> four or five. That's right. <laughs> so, I've I've worked with, I'm going to say most of the who's who's out there. And a lot of people think they're who's who's. When I fly Michael Waddell, and here's the deal. He's a genuine person. He is. He's not some, I've worked with some fake people. This dude, I'd sit here, play get to me because he's a guitar player. I mean, him play some guitar, guys. <laughs> so is Nick and T Bone the same way. He's the only TV show I've took into a major meeting, and I'm not talking to a Mickey Mouse company. I'm talking yeah. to multi-million dollar sales for me. Yeah. And while I had the man in my car, I had another multi-million dollar account for me. Call him to ask him a question. Yeah, about a brand he's working with. That's when you make a difference. He is an innovator. I mean, if you hear the originals, the original. Yeah. I mean, Jim Shockey's huge, but Jim Shockey's like the guy that went and killed crap nobody could afford to do. Okay. Michael is the blue collar guy. He relates. You watch T Bone. Hey, if you go, if you bring T Bone to Deer Camp, yeah, you better not have deer you don't want shot. Because he's like Aaron Keller. Yeah. I'll kill it. Yeah. Be like, hey, you shouldn't shot that three in front. But that relates well, to the You shouldn't average. let him walk out in front of me. That's how I feel. Yeah. But that, that's the But that relates shot. to That's right. Most people don't kill a 130 in their life. Most people don't shoot a 110. So that's, that's these people, oh, yeah, I'll shoot 190. They don't give a crap. Nobody can relate to that. They think you're a freaking high fence hunter or this and that. Or oh, you just hunted on an outfit hunter. Or I can't afford to do that crap because I make $30,000 a year. Yeah. I'm hunting. 15 acres, three days. You know, that's what I tell people. I'm in the industry. Yeah, I've shot a 156-inch deer. It took me seven days to do it. I've never done it again. Why? Because I dedicated that time, seven days of my life, 
And it cost me so much business to kill a stupid deer. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that crap again. I mean, I've never shot an elk in my life. I ain't even been. Everybody's like, don't you want to go hunt? Yeah. It's in my busiest time of the year. Yeah. Oh, you got to figure out, get your priorities right. That's called making a living, I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times? So, so I, I tell people all the time, so my daughter shot a bigger deer than I ever killed in the state of Arkansas. And, I mean, she'll. <laughs> she did. She'll never kill a bigger deer in Arkansas, period. I mean, <laughs> and first thing out of both Heath and Josh's mouth, please tell me you recorded. I was like, hey, no. I am not kidding. Uh, he, he, sent, he sent me that. No and I was camera. like, I didn't want to ask. I walked away from it. I, I knew. Did, did you did you record that? Like, come on. No. Uh, That's no. what TV guys are for. That's right. That kills the fun. That takes the fun out of it for me. I want to sit in a deer stand and be like, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> you know what? Or be like Chase Greenville. Be like, I got him. I'm like, what? You better freaking you get off. your camera on you, dude. I'm fixing to let this arrow go. <laughs> Watch this freaking. 160 walk into the brush and I look at Chase and want to throat punch him at that point in time, you know. But but it goes back to Michael's innovator, and I say Strut Bucks is innovator because I took my guys and like, let's come to realization you're not going to be Michael. Let's just let's I'm, beat. I'm about to my heart's breaking. No, it ain't. <laughs> and but so what we can be yeah. is content providers. Yeah. So We've always been that way. That's right. That's Y'all were important to our company different than Michael. Yeah. So, Michael's a partner over here. Strutton Bucks is a partner over here. And I can say, really, those are the only – well, I mean, but we, I mean, we got some guys that are back on with us. We had to fire them to get them – back to where they needed to be but y'all are the only two that survived the long game no you're right i mean and it goes back to the same even in our industry you know it's like you look at what we do every day big and jay everybody's like oh it's deer tracking well we were the first deer tracking to do what we did we're not rice brand we're not all this other crap well i've had so many companies come to me and want to partner with me want to do this next thing they're competing against you good luck it cost us a lot of money to get where we're at we got a great team, and I'm going to crush you. That's my mentality. Yeah. But we're innovators. You are. There, is there a place for copycats? Yeah, but you're short-lived. <laughs> What's that old saying? The number one, the best. I forgot the saying, whatever it is. But are you talking about, uh, well, one that I used, I, I love, is from Red Adair, who was a oil well. One that I love is from Red Adair, who was a oil well firefighter. And, you know, he used to say, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't get past this. If you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait till you hire an amateur. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It's, that ain't the saying I was thinking, though. It was the, <laughs> that was so far off what I was thinking. <laughs> I like that, though. Well, it was the best, what is like the best form of flattery is oh, oh, yeah. that one. Oh. What's that w- quote? Oh. Uh, it's basically mocking people that are going to copy what you do and try to well, ride, he, he, ride your let's, coattails. Let's lose Yeti. Let's use, let's use Yeti. So this is, this is a funny Yeti story. Because, again, unfortunately, I've been in this industry too freaking long. Not really. Not you really. love it. I love it. But I can remember a dear friend of mine was the first rep for Yeti in, yeah. the, in the state of Arkansas, Oklahoma. And he calls me up. We're working this trade show, this small fish and tackle trade show. Uh, I don't even remember what fishing line I had at the time, but he's like, hey, uh, 
man, you want to buy a cooler? I was like, what you got? Because, you know, we're always buying samples from our buddies, you know. Yeah. We get great deals in the end. I ain't paid retail in 20 years, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I was like, yeah, what you got? He's like, man, I got this cooler. You ever heard of Yeti? I was like, I heard no Yeti. I don't know. I mean, it's probably 2004. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago. I don't know when they started. He's like, yeah, man, my sample's like 175 bucks. I was like, $175? You're smoking crack. We, you ain't ever going to sell a cooler like that. What will they do, $600 million <laughs> in 16? You know, I was like, whoa. Bumping a billion now, ain't they? Oh, yeah, they, they predicted they would be in 18. So, I mean, you look at that, and you're like, here's this brand. All right. So, here, and the next thing you know, you got Arctic. You got Orca. You got Grizzly. You got all these people. Oh, they're going to kill Yeti. No, they're not. No. Yeti is the innovator. Yeah. I mean, and they just keep on growing. They're the brand. I mean, it's no different. You take Matthews. I mean, Matthews Solo Cam. Everybody's like, oh. well, they sold their patent to Bear, so they had competition. Bear sold it to other people for capital. That gave them the capital to put put them where they are today. I mean, they 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 innovated this. So catch us if you can. Yeah. I mean, you think about That's it. It's so awesome. It is. So, yeah. and people don't realize, like, so the monster. You know why they launched the Monster Bow? And this might not be 100% completely accurate, but it's very accurate because, you know, I don't work for them. Right. But originally, Matthews didn't want to have any other thing but a solo cam in their bow. Well, the Monster was this radical hybrid cam, split lamb bow. Yeah. You know, they sold the patent PSE. <laughs> why did they do that? They want to make sure people bought it. <laughs> and they, and they, I mean, now look at it. You got the Halon. It ain't no solo cam. Yeah. It's just hybrid cam bow. Why? They made sure this crap worked before they put their name on it, even though they started it. Yeah. Monster. And you don't even see Monster. It's gone. Yeah. Because once they figured it out, then what they do, they go by mission because they're like, all right, there's guys that can afford a Matthews and the guys that can afford a Matthews hat. So let's go <laughs> buy a bow mission by Matthews. And then everybody that buys a mission – has a Matthews. No, you got a mission. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, he, he's going way beyond. Well, not really. We're still, <laughs> we're still but this time by innovator. We're still in, no, no, being an innovator. But innovator is a brand. It is. So it. so I, I look at Big and J. So let's look at Big and J today. You know as well as me. Let's let's talk ATA 2018. Everybody's <laughs> like, God, how you get to, how are y'all doing what you're doing? Well, we're hold on, hold on. Let's set the stage because there's there are listeners that don't know. They know Big and J's around or whatever. But it leads the category. There's, we there's are no question. No question. You, you own the category. Own it. Attractants. If if you think you own it, you're in denial. <laughs> and we, if we need, if you need to provide and facts, there are care. there are a few that think that we own it. And I'm not going to tell you how I own it. <laughs> Just go. I'm not going to tell you how I got there. But go pull up. But remember, the I'm map not. I'm on the I, website. That's <laughs> right. Retailers. I'm I mean, the, it's a fact. Dude. I'm the uneducated redneck that people have said that. Oh, we're gonna bury this guy. No, it's like Dustin. Dustin, one of the, one of your rep buddies. He he says you're the 900 pound gorilla. Don't act like you're not. You know you are. At the end of the day, you are right now. I'm not a 900 pound gorilla <laughs> in the industry. I'm talking about a truck. The category we're talking about. I'm a 2000. But <laughs> when you. <laughs> You gotta have some confidence, right? <laughs> but when you, but the reason, but the reason you are is there's you're multiple. The innovator. That's right. We're but the innovator. Innovator starts. So at that point in time, so you take wild game and evolved, and I use them because those guys are good friends of mine. They were innovators. Mm-hmm. I mean, Acorn Rage was like, well, first evolve. Let's go deer cocaine. That's like still today. Now we're 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 getting up there like 
we might surpass the numbers they've ever sold, period, too, because we, we've heard them. You're doing all right. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> but deer cocaine. Yeah. Deer cane today because it's politically correct in this stupid environment. But <laughs> we want to go there. That's another podcast for another day, all these freaking weenies out You're there. You're coming today. back on the so, podcast. So, so you can be a little less blunt, man. So, <laughs> so deer cane. Deer cocaine back then. Not only was it a freaking phenomenal name. Yeah. Feed the addiction. I mean, seriously, let's play off this whole drug deal. <laughs> great marketing. Yeah. But it actually was a great product. Okay. Yeah. Still today, it survives. Okay. And it's still on the shelves. That's right. It's still on the shelves. Acorn Rage. First product with acorn in it. Still on the shelf. Sugar Beet Crush. Yep. Still on the shelf. So, for, for the years. companies that listen today, if you got an Acorn product, just stop. <laughs> and that's being the truth. Yeah. Because there's already an Acorn product, and they kill you. And it's called Acorn Rage by Wild Game Innovations. Yeah. And it still sells today, and it outsells you. Don't be naive about it. Yeah. I don't have an Acorn product. Why? Because I believe in being an innovator, not a copycat. There's not a... Then there's a difference between a, having a Me Too product once you establish your brand. Right. So you take Big and J. So we developed a – we started out as a company trying to fill feeders. We won't even get into that. So we're attracting <laughs> today because I don't want to educate my people. I know where you're going. Educate my competition <laughs> because I'm stupid. So <laughs> our product is unique. Now, there's people out there today that look like us that might have a similar smell, but they're copycat companies, and they can't figure it out because, again, I tell people every day, Pepsi exists today because they tried to make Coca-Cola and they couldn't figure it out. So they settled with the second best thing. Yeah. Everybody else, you're trying to make BB Square, but you can't figure it out, so you settle for the second best thing. If you hear this today and you believe different. You're lying to yourself. You're the one talking about drawing deer from your neighbor's property. That's right. On your Long commercial. range attractant. Where do you think that come from? That's us. Strong smell. We don't have rice brand in any of our stuff. Yeah. We were the first people to do the type of product we do today. Now, everybody's like, well, you got a liquid now. Well, yeah. Why do I have a liquid? Because I was in a store, a really big store, and we still are that company that I travel all over the nation, stopping every store along the way. And I had a guy that had a bag of bb square bb2 whatever you want to call it bb and j for some of y'all guys that can't figure it out <laughs> bb and j oh yeah we hear it all the time <laughs> and he had a cube okay or two staples that's coke and diet coke right there right in the in the attracting world and he had a jug of buck jam which is evolved still a good product leader in liquids not going to deny it that's the difference. I won't deny it. They're the right. leader in liquids. He's like, yeah, well, you know, if you, I was just like, man, what do you got that evolved for? I just wanted to know. I wasn't, I'm not bashing. What do you got evolved? What do you got that liquid for? I don't know. If you had liquid, I'd buy yours. Your stuff's awesome. All right. So what I do, I talk to a couple of my buyers. Hey, if I had a liquid, he's like, done. We'll take it right now. Well, I'm about making money. But you also set that up. You were already, they already recognize you as an innovator. I was an innovator. So copying. what I do, my product 
is nothing like anybody else's. So I didn't go, hey, let's take, if you look at most liquids out there, they're either molasses or water with some salt and some coloring in it. Ours is a liquid feed, true liquid feed. We use in the cattle industry every day. It's actually our secret sauce. I mean, it's part of our secret sauce. And we're like, don't smell pretty to the freaking humans, but I tell, that's like I tell people every day. There's a reason there's 47 colors of brown craw. Because <laughs> they want to sell you 47 colors of brown craw when realistically that thing's flying through the roller real fast. That freaking bass don't know the difference between 46 and 47 and one. <laughs> Just get a brown craw and go. <laughs> and the same thing with deer. Oh, Lord. We sell to the consumer. Yeah. Big and J sells to the deer. If the deer don't like it, we don't put it on the shelf. Everybody's like, but you it. know what they like. That's that's another thing that separates right. you. Your innovators on the cattle side too. That's right, and it's we, massive, massive. It ain't even like deer just joke, joke around. We don't wear <laughs> lab coats. We wear cowboy boots with cow poop on them. Well, and, and you know, there have been others that have said stuff about, hey, we've got veterinarians that say this and that, and you know, the only time you go to a veterinarian is when your your animal's sick. Spade them. That's not a good time to, to start worrying about how you're feeding them. And and I think what we do is you look at our our background with the cattle and whatnot. We, we have five Ph.D. ruminant nutritionists on staff that live, breathe, sleep, and eat whitetail deer. Yeah. And we're constantly looking at innovating how do we do it better. And, you know – when you've got guys that went to school and studied that long and see what, you know, I think not only is it great to look at what we've done, but look at what we can take from the cattle industry. Oh, yeah. But see, so, you know, so like you're talking the innovator from a nutritional and, but we go one step further for me. Josh is from Texas. He's in the anomaly of the states that really feed. I get this crap for cheap. And I use the word crap. It's not crap, but that's just how I speak. Yeah. I get it cheap. I don't feed. I don't have time. We're innovators in an experience. My job today, you hear these mission statements out there as we, we've talked about. I'm selling experience. I used my daughter this year. We hunted for 19 minutes. I had not been in the woods at all, except the previous a week of the Friday, I went and had the same three trail cameras that I had not taken off a tree from the previous probably three years. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I, I pulled my cards and turned the deal off. And I run yeah. good batteries, so I went out there, put cars in, turned on. I had batteries just in case. Batteries still good. Run and go. I didn't even put feed out. Had a couple meltdown spots, you know, one of our minerals. And it's still, you know, it's still pretty warm. We're at deer hit, that kind of stuff. Put some feed out because, you know, I hunt kind of off feed so my deer don't feel pressured anyhow. Put some stuff out and got the wind and 19 minutes done. <laughs> and everybody's like, golly. I'm like, but that's what we do as a company. It ain't, it ain't about growing deer. We're innovators in selling an experience and success to our customers, and that's truly, I mean, yeah. why do we do this? I don't go do this to sit in the freaking woods for 475 days in the next three years and not kill anything. I want to go 19 minutes and be done. Everybody's like, well, that was over quick. 
It was awesome. 19 minutes. My daughter's tacked out done. I mean, that's the easy. It's done, you know. Now, I love the, the scouting and all that, but, like, Josh is, Josh is worried about filling feeders. Aaron Keller don't fill no feeders. Period. And See, I live in a desert. Though. That's right. <laughs> That's true. But you I, do. but our deer in you Arkansas do. eat rocks, so yeah. it's no different, you know. <laughs> so it goes back to innovators. Everybody, and I look at these deer feed people and all this, and oh, if I'm buying deer feed, Purina is the cheapest thing out there. It's what I can afford to do. Yeah. I mean, record. I mean, we're not in the deer feed business now. We we got supplements to go with it, but we focus on selling an attractant to make that guy happy. And so that's where that innovator comes along, and you look at the companies out there, and you you even taught me this, and you can't tell a story if you're not an innovator. Yeah. So what's your story if you're a copycat? Yeah. So but tell me about your product. Well, I've seen this guy's <laughs> over here, and I thought I could do it cheaper. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. But you still aren't there. I tell everybody, this is the best thing. Walk in your local Walmart today. All right. There's only one aisle, one in the whole place that's dedicated to one category. You know what that is? Y'all. No. In Walmart. Oh, in Walmart. The whole store. Oh. One one aisle is dedicated to one category. What? The drink aisle. Really? I never thought about it. All right. Walk down the drink aisle. Tell me how, how many Sam's Coca-Cola you see versus Coca-Cola. And that's their own brand. Think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, so you look at every other aisle in Walmart. You walk down that aisle. The whole left side is nothing but drinks. Sodas. Not water. Not Gatorade. It's it's freaking bad for you crap. <laughs> you might as well drink beer. It's better for you. So, and if you look, Coca-Cola's got to... They're such that brand is so powerful. You don't see Sam's Cola people come in there and filling it. I mean, Coke is in there filling their own spaces and doing that. Yeah. Tell me how many. So let's go to the chip aisle. It's the next full category Lay's, Doritos. You don't see much Sam's Choice and great value in there. Yeah. There's no copycatters there, they stick to their own deal. Yeah. But for some reason in this outdoor industry, because we want to be cheaper, you think you can make it better, we can do this. Everybody wants to be copycats instead of innovators. Yeah. And it goes no different to the bows. You know, you take, because I know y'all shot prime forever, but that's an innovative bow. Yeah. Now, they've never got it off the ground, in my opinion, like it needs to. Well, there's a, it, that goes back to even even though it's innovative, the price points play a role in that, too. You can't you can't come in and try to be Yeti when there's already Yeti. No, that's right. So I tell people all the time, I am – we talk about this in our marketing and the dollar spend. I am the hardest influence person in our company. I'm not a – you will not sway me by making me feel good about myself, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> there is a value to everything I do. I mean, that's why I tell people all day, boy, you got a Ranger bass boat? Yeah. What year model? 99? 99, <laughs> golly! Yes. Oh, yeah. It's paid for, too. But I got a 2016 motor on it. That's right. You know, I mean, but but I, I, I look at things. So, Ranger is the leader in the bass boat industry. No question. 
Not in, even a question. There, there, I mean, there's no comparison. <laughs> when you're when you're buying companies and shutting them down to get them out of the way. Well, that's what I tell people. <laughs> when you sell a newer boat, then you paid for your older boat because it says Ranger and the other one didn't. You know, I mean, so I tell people today, I, I've had newer boats than I own today that still aren't worth what my boat is today because <laughs> it says Ranger. Yeah. But I will tell you, I've fished a lot of these boats and they're better. But they're innovators. Yeah, there's great things on these other boats and all that. But they're innovators. I mean, Jeep. Yeah. I mean, Toyota's tried to come up with some deal. You know, granted, Toyota owns a small truck market. Nissan's tried to capture that. You know, Chevrolet don't even play in that world. I mean, so, I mean, you think about innovators. But for some reason in the outdoor industry, let's walk through. Because we started that and you stopped me. ATA 2018. I had four new competitors. I want even, uh, I'm not even. You ain't got to name them. No, I'm going to say they're not in competitors. I got you. But they had product that looked like mine. You know what their sales pitch was? It was my product for less. <laughs> First off, let's go back to we're cattle people. We're huge cattle people. Big cattle. You can't buy it cheaper than me <laughs> unless you're Purina yeah. or Cargill. And you ain't neither one of them. They might be manufacturing for you. We are the manufacturer. <laughs> Let's think about that for two seconds. You can't be cheaper than me. The only way you're cheaper is if you're Sam's. Because I tell people, the bag, the bag is the same cost. Okay? If you're using a one mil poly with this, this, this and this, it's the same freaking cost. Matter of fact, I still pay less because you're buying 20000 I'm buying a million. <laughs> That's a fact, though. That's a fact. All right. So, and salt is one cost. Cows, die cows a cost. Your protein's a particular cost. Cost of goods is cost of goods. It don't, uh, so I, you know, tell people every day, so you look at Coca-Cola and they're like, why is it creating a difference? Because they're already selling this one right here that does this great. Sam's Cola, it can cost the same. The water costs the same pretty much all the same so why would i create a product that makes piss poor margins yeah so coke's over here spending the money got the flavor because you can't copycat it because why nobody knows the formula just because you can run an analysis on it and figure out what's in it don't mean you know the volumes of it and that's where we are today so in ata this year i had four competitors i walk around this crowd i'm very oh yeah i'm super competitive no not you, you. Know, i'm like I'm that's what bury all you actually like, like competitors oh i love competitors <laughs> you know i and i'm a friendly competitor i'm the same way in tv if you call me and be like dude dude i mean i mean i i mean i'm great friends that work for yeah centered i mean we're friends i'm the same way in outdoor and tv and we're on small side yeah but i tell them to come on i'm like yeah Dude, there's plenty of room I come mean, on bring a show i had i had the large i had one of the <laughs> large no, largest, know what you're getting into one of the largest outdoor retailers said hey will you look at our attractant section and do do a, a powerpoint presentation a spreadsheet on what we should get rid of in your opinion and what we are missing I didn't go through and be like, oh, it's all big and J. No, I was like, all right, this needs to go. You got A, B, and C. Three different brands replaced. Of course, one of them's mine, but. Right. But I mean, I was very truthful and built it. And they're like, man, you call that every dog we got. And for the guys that don't, dog is suck in, in, <laughs> in the retail world. They're like, 
you mean we need to buy this product from them? I'm like, yeah. If you ain't got it on your shelf, you're dumb. Because they're an innovator. It's different for me. It's different from wild game. You need this product. You've got enough acorn. You've got enough sugar beet. You got chestnuts. You got all this other stupid crap that's just a marketing ploy. Let's 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 stick to innovators and real products, and you'll be successful on this read. It ain't about you know you you uh, on the retail side. And if, if people that are listening to get a retail store, and uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. But when you you go and you put a product at, and you think, oh, I need selection. This guy's cheap, and I'm buying this is cheap. It's cheap. You're actually selling your customer a bad experience. Because we're not all created equal. I walk into your store and you ain't got Coca-Cola back in the day when I drank sodas. Yeah. I'm not buying Sam's Choice. Yeah. I'm not buying Dr. Thunder. Now, hold on. I do like some Dr. Thunder. No, not me. God, I'm I walking on. Like it. It's like It's, it's kind of like buying underwear. <laughs> oh, God. I don't buy no cheap underwear. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> you go stand on concrete all day, you need some good underwear. <laughs> it's like cheap bras. <laughs> Uh, let's move forward here. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Cow. Well, I mean, but seriously, I mean, there's a re- oh, look at Under Armour though. Yeah. Innovator yeah. in the clothing market, maybe an innovator in marketing, but they, I mean, they made some technical clothing. Time, define while we're on innovator what you mean, because I'm the gist I'm gathering by this whole podcast is be an innovator or go home. I think we can confirm. You that. have to be an innovator. And so, but that doesn't mean you can't come into a category that's already established and be an innovator. Sitka is probably a great example of yes. that. Well, I come into a category that's been established and we were an innovator. Yeah. I mean, so the, 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 if you decide you're going to get into the outdoor industry because you can make your version of Big and J cheaper and you think you're going to get rich, good luck competing against me. Yeah. And I will tell you today. Save your money, because you will not beat me. And it's and that's not being arrogant, but that's just a fact. And you know the dollars that's went into that's right. it to get it where it's at. That's right. We didn't spend thirty thousand dollars to get where we are today. <laughs> no. This isn't year three. No, this is year ten. Yeah, ten years to what we. So and to, people don't even know the process. No, really. we ain't got to get into it. But prior to you coming on, and you've got obviously you're going to give credit to your team and Jerry and Casey and all oh. the. You have an amazing team, but you've been the lead catalyst in what Big and Jay as far as the direction changing everything, and it is now – there's no doubt it's an innovative company. Yes. To get it to where it is, but none of this happened overnight. No, And no, you no, sure no. didn't do it by mocking somebody else. No, no, and I tell people all the time. I tell my wife, I'll never forget. I was like here six months, and, you know, I left a very, very, very successful job to come here. I made more money doing what I did prior to this, you know. And, and they I, all thought you were crazy. Oh, they're like, "What the heck are you doing?" And six months <laughs> in, I was like, "Oh my God, baby, I think <laughs> I, I don't made, know. Uh, I think I made a career, you know, bad, bad career move here." Six years later, I'm here, you know, and I'm going to be here another six years, another twelve <laughs> years, or whatever, till I decide, "Hey, I'm done with this rat race and traveling." But you have to be if you. <laughs> Come back, Josh. Yeah, we lost Josh. We lost. We are recording this podcast late night. I think it's eleven thirty p.m. and Josh, Josh is like, he's making his bed, crawling towards bed. the I'm bed. Like, I'm ready to. <laughs> he's it's not, like bedtime. He's not a late night night guy. Like We've been we crashing are. and burning web discussions all day today, and Josh is fried. Yeah, I was on a plane till like twelve o'clock last night. But if if you come into this, if you want to get into the outdoor industry, 
television. Or any in, let's let's say any industry. Any industry. It don't have to be outdoor. But outdoors are special. I know. So, but these principles apply. It does. It applies. If you want to get into it, I mean, it's just like we've talked about businesses to get into, and like you know, no. If you want to get into something, you either have to have a truly innovative product product that solves a problem. Okay. It's not about making money. If you go into this about I'm going to go get rich, you're going to go get broke real fast. <laughs> That's so true. You have to go into this about like, dude, there. So, you know, we got one. Uh, this product solves a problem. I mean, we talked about Dave Ramsey today. How did he get rich? He went, it got rich. By going broke. Going broke <laughs> twice. And he, he figured out how to solve a problem. He hey, I'm going to tell you how not to go broke twice like me, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's his deal. I don't always believe with what agree with what he says. But, but he's giving you a plan right. that will get you there the safest way it's possible. It's the safest way possible. Yeah. And the same thing here. I see these people. I mean, I bet I can count 10, maybe even 15 companies in six years. That's a lot. They probably lost their life savings, maybe even their homes, trying to come compete against companies like us. And it's not like we're we're just an innovator and we're a leader, but we also understand what we're doing. But and you, you also got major backing. Yeah, we we got pretty good money. <laughs> and and that that's you know we got the out. smartest sales team ever. <laughs> And the best marketing ever. You do got ever. the best marketing. There's no doubt. That's right. But, I mean, you have I mean, to. you do. That's a fact. So, I see these companies get into it, and they're like, well, everybody's like, man, you got 12 SKUs. Or, no, we don't have 12 SKUs. We got 12 SKUs counting things that's got multiple sizes in it. Yeah. Why do I want to have 40 different SKUs in the attractant world? Where does that make sense? And you, they look at you, and they're like, hmm, I don't know. I said, and exactly what i say it's called grasping for straws if you're grasping for straws stop it now yeah. because you are going to lose it all and that's the truth i mean i could tell you today the companies i've seen come and gone that thought they were going to come compete against us and it's not that we've done anything special but they came in not as an innovator as i'm going to sell it cheaper and get rich yeah and this is not a sell it cheaper, get rich world. That's the beauty of innovators, though. So, I mean, Arctic's a good example. I mean, you could list all these. You mentioned Yeti earlier. You could mention all these companies that come along. Are they taking part part of the margin? Maybe a small chunk. But mm -hmm. if an innovator is an innovator, they will always dominate because they have you. Harley Davidson. I mean, it's always they're gonna. That's what I love about being an innovator, though. It is. It, there's no threat to me by anybody mocking what I do. You get these guys. Oh, I wouldn't have a Harley Davidson because it's. You'd be working on on the side of the road. Well, let me tell you something. If you got a Honda, <laughs> it might run for 20 years, but in 20 years, your Honda's worth jack crap, and that Harley's worth even more that day than it was <laughs> when you bought it. Yeah. And it it'll still run. Yeah. I mean, because they were, they might not have been innovator, but they seem to be the innovator because, you know, there's Andy and all that. But they, they survived the test of times. I mean. They've done something right. So, um, how many. They innovated the Harley sound. That's right. That's right, the sound. <laughs> but how, look at the automobile industry. How many people you seen come in and out? You don't. There's four. There's a few of them. Chevrolet. Nissan. Nissan. Toyota. Toyota. Ram. Yeah. A few well, of them. Tesla. Tesla. Hey. I, but that's an innovator. Innovator. That's that true. They're that's ahead true. of time, though. Ahead of time. Good to have you back, Josh. Welcome back. <laughs> Josh is like, where have you been? Josh is like, everyone shut up. 
You shut up. We've been an hour and 39 here. Hey, just, we but, were, but I just think, told you we couldn't let John out talk us. But think about <laughs> what an innovation that it took for them to get ahead of the, the rest of the market. I mean, they literally have to get – I mean, for them to succeed and for them to be where they are today, they had to talk parking lots into making charging stations yes. for them. How innovative and, is that? And, and how ridiculous – you know, because us, we're like, that's ridiculous. But they yeah. did it. Yeah, that's true. And, and in San Antonio, hey, did you ever as think- ridiculous as it is, there's literally eight spots on every parking thing where you plug your – yeah, you're not it. seeing those in Arkansas right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the mower industry. Zero turn. Who was the innovator uh, well, in zero turn? I don't know. Grasshopper was yeah. a, a huge one. Yeah. And, you know, I know those guys. And the well, guys, I'm from Bad Boy Mowers. Yeah, you know, it's your hometown. That's hometown well, but. the Grasshopper guys, I mean, that's a family-owned business that's based out of Kansas. Mm-hmm. They were innovators, yeah. though, and – Mow with an attitude. Well, they were innovators in getting hot chicks. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. They understood marketing, so they were innovators in marketing. And there if, is that too. If you want to go that direction, they did do that. So, but there's <laughs> innovators, and you talk Tesla. I'm from freaking Podunk Town, Arkansas. We don't have no charging stations for our hats. You know, so I didn't know who Tesla is. That's like we're running '98 Rangers in Batesville. That's right. I got an 05 but TJ j- Wrangler. Just think son. about it. To, to innovate. To, to make your product relevant, you had to go get charging stations mm-hmm. in, pro, in parking lots. And that's why I said they were ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. They were. So go back, though. You can chime in on this, Josh. You know a lot about Sitka and what they've done. But we talked about how you can still come into a category of business. And just because it's a camo company, they came in and are still becoming innovative. I mean – Speak to that a little bit. I, I would say, you know, a lot of people look at, at Sitka and, and they and, – and give them props for their patterns. No doubt. I, I mean, no doubt. They, they've they got patterns that that literally have – Aaron's wanting to chime in with something. I'm <laughs> trying to let Josh talk for a second, though, so don't <laughs> give him, him Give him so, three seconds. So <laughs> their, their patterns are innovative. Right. Uh, for me, that's not why I buy Sitka. You know, and, and – Maybe that's not what they want me to say because I'm friends with those guys up there. But <laughs> it, 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 I have this little cheap pullover that they sent me. Cheap? Well, now. Yeah, yeah let's back up. Let's back up. Sitka and You've cheap got this, is oxymoron. you got this pullover that costs a lot of money that fits awesome. I have this little thin quarter zip pullover right. that they sent me. And I put it on, and I was just like, God. You know, the coolest thing, the only thing about these, I wish I had a face mask. And I pull the hood up over me. It's and got I don't a face even realize mask in it. The face mask is built in the hood. I yeah. love it. I had no, I, you know, the the hands, uh, the, the sleeves in clothing. pull over. I wore mine at the track meet last Everything night. I had it on. in every piece that they do, they have thought about and they've literally tested out and said, what do hunters need, want? And and I use Sitka to think about what I'm doing as a marketing plan and whatever because there's so much thought process that's gone into some of the stuff they've done. You know, I think about my um, my, my vest, my, my fanatic vest. Now down in South Texas, I don't wear that a ton because it's not cold enough, but it's enough for me to get by. And there's a there's a spot for me to put my grunt tube. There's a spot for me to put my hands. There's a spot all this stuff. 
And anyway, what, what do you got there? No, Aaron's, Aaron's, I'll Aaron's, kill him. He's like, hands are twisting. <laughs> but you said the perfect thing. There's two things. You said they thought about what they could do to improve. Mm -hmm. Solve right. problems. They solved a problem. If you look at the clothing market today, it's all been knockoff people, period. It's just but who can print they're the They're focused on the pattern. That's right. The pattern and then the quality of fit in their mm -hmm. clothing. And like you said, the mask inside their hood, the covering the hands so your finger. I mean, you know, you keep this part of your hand warm. Your, I mean, they took clothing and reinvented it. Mm -hmm. but they on really the, did. But on the pattern side, you take a little company we got here in Arkansas. I knew where here. you were going. Oh, yeah. These boys were – they were the Tesla of the camo. They still – I won't throw this out there, and we ain't sponsored by any of these people. But if you take the – if you take Nat Gear, where you're talking about mm – -hmm. And you take a real tree, somebody that's got amazing shelf appeal, and you send them, because I've, I've done this, this is speaking from experience, and say, get two or three guys, y'all take off walking through the woods. One, no. of, one of them will vanish. Well, so, but I sold <laughs> Nat Gear in 98 or whatever. Yeah. And it freaking sucked. Everybody's like, well, that pattern looks stupid. You know, had, it had no shelf appeal. No shelf appeal. People Zero. wanted all these black sticks and trees and limbs and all that. And I mean, and you walk off and it's a big black blob out there in the woods. You know, today, digital camos and all that is the cool thing. Well, but you, you, you have to think about the difference of how you see it. And I think Sick has done a good job of explaining, like, we're not, we're not trying to make a camera that Sick has explained it well to where we're not trying to make a camo that is pleasing to the eye at five feet because no. that that's not how life is with mm -hmm. your doing camo and and I'll go back to Iraq so um there were mistakes made all over the place when it comes it comes to camo so I was in the uh, a few months after the initial invasion and so they said well they're we we can't have these guys in the woodland camo because they're in the desert. So let's make this desert camo, and um, all we've got crap for all our body armor. All we've got is the woodland camo. So we'll put the guys in desert camo, which is the tan brown, and then we'll put the guys in woodland camo body armor, which is green black. So first of all. The woodland camo, especially if there's a moon out, you can look down the street and see your entire team. But if you're an enemy sniper, or let's not say a sniper, machine gunner, whatever, and a guy's walking down the street and he's got tan on, dark color over his chest, his vital area. That's a target. It's pretty easy to target. Yeah. And uh, as these clothes got washed... Where we thought, because it was pleasing to the eye, well, there's a brown and there's a tan, and that color matches what I'm seeing on the ground. You know, I, I think that's what people bought that camo off of. Like, well, this, this matches what my eye is seeing on the ground. But that's not how camo works. That's not how camo, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's camouflage is blending into an environment, and the best way you can do that is by breaking things up. Not by just looking at what's in your feet. Not by matching what's on the ground. Yeah. And going, well, that that's what I got to do. So, when you, when you, just to you take about the outfit I'm talking, and I'm calling it an outfit. I hate 
calling anything a man wears an outfit. <laughs> that's what they did. They gave us this outfit of light-colored clothes, dark-colored body armor. We instantly created an easier kill for the enemy. So we get past that, and then we get into, well, we went to this. The Marines, uh, as much as I hate to say it, the Marines came up with a better idea, which, oh, God, you know. You're not supposed to say uh, that, probably. Lord, Luckily, Marines. we're on a hunting podcast. <laughs> we're probably good. But. There's a lot of Marines in the outdoor industry. <laughs> That's too, true. I mean, and Marines are people, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Marines I, are I, people. I, I like them to a point. To a point. You know, but uh, I'm kidding. I love all you Marines. <laughs> uh, but the Marines did a great job of at least identifying two different kinds of digital camo. You know, they had a, a, a more desert and they had a more woodland. And the Marine camo was would work for any situation. What the Army tried to do was go, whoa, we will split that in between. We'll come up with gray and black, and this will work for – and, and that's where we came up with the Army digital camera. And that stuff, I'm telling you, it reflected – it It, it, it was – you you weren't camouflaged. That's copycat at its best. You know – Right there. Absolutely. I'm sitting you, here you thinking – Go ahead. I'm, well, go ahead. I'm – well, I, you, you weren't camouflaged in urban. You weren't camouflaged in the mountains. You weren't camouflaged in the desert. You weren't camouflaged in the you, – you, you literally tried to combine and innovate something by copycatting everything, and you literally created the worst camouflage ever made probably in the history of mankind. <laughs> and, and, and this is 2006, 2007. Yeah. Because with Sitka – and, and I gotta, I gotta bring this point up because a lot of people say, "Well, Sika is the same color, and you know, Kuyu is the same color." Well, what am I trying to camouflage myself? I'm, I'm trying to camouflage myself against deer when I'm hunting in Sika and Kuyu, and deer read color in a almost black and white, with blue being the most prominent color. They don't see blaze orange. They don't see deer see colors differently. I mean, they're basically colorblind, and they see highlighted blues a little bit differently. Yeah. Humans have a full palette of colors. We don't see – so that gray, uh, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work. And I, I think that what we've seen is just so much stuff get thrown down our throat – by the eyes of what seems good or what it matches, you know, right off the, the cuff or the floor or the couch or whatever. But Yeah. I want to throw yeah. something in there because I've been thinking as you you guys are talking. I think about – we call this be an innovator or go home. We probably should title it be an innovator, have backing, or go home. Nat Gear, they're a great company. Oh, yeah. Like – but not. I'm not saying they hadn't put money into marketing and branding. Well, they're they're happy with where they're, they're at. They're perfectly happy with where they're at. But we all know if the right dollar signs were put behind that, sick and would this never, would have been this would have been years before they this. they, they would have owned it. They would be the leader today. They created Sitka that category ha- twenty years ago. Only advantage Sika would have had is a better fit. Because I will say today, oh, they they can't beat the Sika boys. And you I think that's what like they nut. that's what they focus on, oh, yeah, on the I mean, technical side. And, and that's that's the other point I wanted to make about Sika because remember, I, and I do want to say I, I'm not sponsored by Sika, I'm not paid by Sika, but 
I've dealt with all the other clothing brands, and that stuff eventually falls apart. And I, I still have. I got a walls 90% from 1996. What are I, you talking about? Uh, well, we're <laughs> a little faded. We're talking about some of the higher end, <laughs> higher end companies. Yo. And I still have a pair of 90% pant and jacket that I've have called on barbed wire or whatever. And I, I think that's that to me is the biggest innovator. More so than the pattern, I, I don't get called. I, I totally agree with you because they're they have separated themselves on the technical side of what they do, way way beyond the pattern. You know, because oh, yeah. you, you, I've split so many pants. That's like, what I was thinking. Say, I've ripped I, the crotch out of so many. The first set of sick I ever wore was Heath's. We were doing a photo shoot, and I brought some camo. He's like, "You can't wear that. We're trying to be premium here." He's like. What size are you? I'm like, well, we're about the same size. So I go put on this dude sick, and I'm like, you might not get this back because this is like the best fitting clothing I've ever wore all you day. You didn't tell me that at the time. Uh, I didn't know that till Josh called me. It said, Aaron's need some Sitka. What's your size? <laughs> well, it, I think that, you know, and I hate to go off the rabbit trail, but when you talk about innovation, I mean, we talk about, like we talk about the whitetail stuff with Sitka and the, the pattern, and there's the stretch, and, and that didn't exist a few years ago, you know, when I was a producer for a TV show and I was involved. I mean, Sitka was around, but we were still dealing with other companies that were dealing with standard stitch. And you you weren't buying that clothing. You were basically renting it for a season, and yeah. then you were going to have to rent another. <laughs> next season. Next season. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got friends at other clothing companies, and, I did a photo shoot last year, and within one week of doing a photo shoot, the stuff was unraveling. And I think that that goes to some of the stuff Aaron's talking about is, hey, look, we're going to compete with this company, of, you know, but we're going to shortcut it here. And there's just a difference. You know, it's, and whether it's, it's generally Yeti, not sustainable. No, you're going to sell for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're going to get those guys that are – tight wads i mean i'm not even gonna name the name of a couple of my competitors but i had one to come out and like blatantly i could have busted them for some trademark stuff but you know we're not that kind of people i just knew i'd bury them in time and i mean but i mean i was just being truthful about yeah. it they made the statements i mean they made some slandering statements and all this and i literally had one of my biggest accounts Oh, he's an independent, not a national chain, because most most copycats don't get into national chains very easy. And uh, he's like, "Man, I got to buy their product. It's half the price of yours." I was like, "It won't be half the price that long. You think they can't buy it cheaper than me? They can't build it cheaper than me? They say it's just like yours. It can't be. No way possible. And if they do, they won't be in business long because they're going bankrupt right now. They're losing money on every sale they make. <laughs> I know this for a fact. Yeah. Anyhow." It wasn't three months later after peak of selling season. This dude calls me. He's like, hey, I need your product. I was like, what's up? He's like, all these guys that I switched over this new stuff, they said the deer walked through theirs and ate the dirt where yours was last year. Now, <laughs> Sam's Cola, cut yep, the cola. Exactly That's the difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference. You you can cut corners, but only for so long. I mean, after, you know, because I don't, I don't. If, so I could tell you if I hunted every day, now, I will buy a clothing like a Sitka gear for here on out. 
I wouldn't have in the past because I don't hunt enough. Yeah. But after wearing it, just even on a photo shoot, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> Look at the – I mean, like you said, you put your hand through. It's like, wow, I've never seen a – got a thumb hole in it. I mean, it's high tech. Dude, I bought all my crap from freaking Walmart my whole life. I mean, that's all I got where I live. I mean, I've never bought high-dollar clothing. Yeah. I'm like – I, I'm. You like, felt like a superhero. Yeah, you? I mean, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you go bowling and you're trying to find that bowling ball that fits you. That's like me trying to find clothes that fit me right. You know, like nothing fits you good. And all of a sudden, you put the sick crap on. It's like, hey, these guys must be shaped just like me. They got it. Yeah. They figured this well, out. This, you know, I'll tell you something funny. Uh, way before Sitco was around, but I, I, I ran track in college and and rode I bikes. Was you a Longhorn? No, I wasn't a long one. I know, he's Virginia My wife Tech, is. I know. VT. But uh, so Thanksgiving, I came home from college one time, and I was, I was still trying to get back in shape to do some of the 100-mile races and, and biking. And I didn't have a place to, to hunt. 100-mile races? You know, I, I hunted back in Tennessee, and I came back, and I, I, I'm riding through on Thanksgiving morning, and I come through uh, this little, you know, small place out in southwest Virginia. And I walk in, and I'm in, you know, tights. I mean, it's cold. You know, I'm in everything. And there's these two old-timers in bibs sitting there, and they looked up at me, and I come in, and they're like, man, I got to get me one of those outfits to climb up in my tree stand, you know. And at that time, you know, what I was wearing was absolutely insane. And you think about 10 years from that time. I mean, mm-hmm. Sitka is now a – but – Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys thought I was just, you know, dressed up like Superman or Spider-Man or whatever. But It it is. I mean, you take innovators. I mean, you look at the firearm side. You look at the optic side. There is an innovator and leader there. I mean, there there can be multiple category leaders. Yeah, it goes back to even if it's an established, let's say optics. It's very established. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't be an innovator. Look at Vortex. Vortex has come on the scene. Yeah. And they had some innovative ideas at a good price point that people could afford. They took a different business model. That was the other innovative thing that people don't realize. There's more than being innovative to the end consumer. you got to be innovative to the guy that's freaking putting it on the shelf, too. Yeah. I mean, and that's where they were at. They were very innovative. They didn't go to distribution. They didn't allow... Every Tom, Dick, and Harry to sell their product. They wanted to establish this. You had to be a premium store to sell freaking Vortex. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Sitka. Yeah. So they, they had a different deal. They also had some innovative scopes. So, I mean, you know, you look at the same deal. You know, everybody, it's like, you look at firearms today. I mean, you don't see many people, I mean, coming into the firearms industry. Why? I mean, a 6.5 Creedmoor is a 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. It's about who's out marketing who at this point in time. There's precision people and there's doing all that, but... But they go back to the optics, even 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 with some of the stuff Nikon's doing right now. Oh, that new freaking range. We did it today. We looked at it today. You handed there, it to me. I was like, holy It's a cow. very established industry. But when you lock in on this new range finder they just had, there's no doubt. I've got a high dollar Leupold. Yeah. I've had for a long time. I, mean, I was like, Pfft. I mean, Kim, you was like, you got to try this. I'm like. Dude, I, I shake like a coyote trying to poop a peach seed. You know, I'm like over here. When you <laughs> handed that thing to me and I pushed that button and it was just like. Whoop. That's almost an innovative one-liner. I know. I was being very polite on that. This is PG. So, uh, but I'm, I mean, I was like, 
instantly wowed. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. holy crap. Matter of fact, I looked it up on my phone to see if I could figure out what this thing's going to cost me. Because, I mean, it solved the problem. Because well, you start yeah. trying to range something four or 500 yards, I shake. I don't know yeah. why, but and I shake. Try 3,000 yards. Three th- I ain't shooting that far. Yeah, right? but I'm just saying, when, you, a, when I, you have a product that locks in at 3,000, that's I, innovative. I'm not as good as John. I'm not saying. I ain't either. I ain't trying to be as good as John. Even though I'm going to shoot against him. When John base. Hill. John. Effie Hill. The challenge is on. I'm gonna you know out, you're listening. I'm going to outcook me and outshoot John. If That's you're listening, <laughs> we are rolling on one about two hours into this podcast yeah. right now. And, and, and I tell you, it's a great conversation, though. I mean, I, you've, I, I, been, I, you've been talking about this podcast, me, and I've been, I've been like. We're kind of rabbit trail. I'm not pretty John sure. John is going to like what I have to say here. Uh-oh. Oh, no, close your ears, John. If you. If you talk about innovations, um, I think one of the things that changed the industry was the Savage Long Range Hunter. Oh, absolutely. And, and because before that, we thought you had to buy a custom gun that had all this stuff done. And you had to have all this money in the sparrow. And Savage came out with something out of the box that you could shoot a 1,000 yards on for basically $1,000. So I'll back that statement. So, the guy that I worked, we had a gunsmith, and he was known across the country, but he was the 1,000-yard service rifle, and you know what a service mm-hmm. rifle is, M1 Garand, 1,000-yard, yeah. open sight. That's right. <laughs> 81, 82, 83, and 84, shooting in Camp Perry. And people would come in, man, I want you, what cost me to build a rifle? He said, buy a Savage. That's his first words out of his mouth. He'd say, you want to buy a long-range gun? And he would point to that long-range hunter with the active trigger on it. Buy you Savage. I mean, and that was his deal. And here's a guy that builds guns. He's a 1,000-yard service rifle champion. Buy Savage. Well, and it cost all the other companies to, to now make a, a more price point gun, you know, rifle that, that fit in that. It, it that right there, I mean, what what Savage did, combining the AccuStock and the AccuTrigger and mm-hmm. and all that, and, and I know there was a lot of people that discounted it at the beginning, and and Savage made it ugly. It, it wasn't. Was, it spent, wasn't pretty. Spent all their money on the barrel. They spent yeah, but that thing I have seen it over and over again, and I don't own one, but I've shot them plenty of times. I mean, I we pulled multiple out of the box. Got them zeroed in, and we're shooting thousand yards within an hour. Well, we always told yeah. people that gun will outshoot you. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if you got great optics, and at least a, I mean you, that, it'll outshoot you. It'll outshoot me. I mean, it's just like guys that say, "Oh, that swagger you at hunter series." Those things, that's not you. That's not a long range. It's not accurate. Well, what what I shoot it offhand, standing against my hip, eight hundred seventy three yards at range day, and I'm not a shooter. But it's just shooting. Yeah. I mean, sitting down, he's ringing steel at 873 on a bipod you can't shoot past a couple hundred yards hunting. People we ain't even talked about swagger yet. Oh, <laughs> Not even once. That's because everybody's scared of us right now. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, but, I hey, mean. It is innovative. Very innovative. No doubt about it. If it, When we got into this, if it would have just been a Har- another Harris bipod knockoff, we wouldn't even wasted our dollars. I mean, no way. We are we, everything we do is innovative. If you want to get into this industry, I mean, it's even as an employee. Yeah, 
you have to be innovative about yourself and the way you approach business today. I mean, we're having to right now in the, in the digital world for marketing. Two years, that's we, all changed. We can't do stuff like it was done three years ago. Josh crushed my bubble like two years ago. He comes in and tells me all this, and we, so we fired like 47 TV shows. And <laughs> <laughs> that's so true but funny. It ain't like, funny, but it's I was true. like, so you mean I get to save a million dollars? Josh like, no, no, we're still going to spend it just differently. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. But you're going to get like ten times the return on eyeballs. Oh, yeah, what was that one time you showed me the – I mean, a kid, we was looking at that report, and I was just sitting there staring. I was like, so number six is only like 9,000 people more than number 60, and number six costs 70,000. Number six is free. <laughs> so why are we paying anybody in the television market today? Thank goodness Strutton Bucks was number one on the Pursuit Channel, huh? Well, that one time. That one time. No, but I, I mean seriously, Josh is over my. I'll be like, I was like anti freaking television. Oh, I know you were, and then it was more. It, but then you were anti digital. Oh, I was anti digital, but it's really hey, changed. Me, I'm the silent partner in this conversation. <laughs> we were part. We were tag team, and other over fist bumping here. But uh, <laughs> I. But, like, we got to work together on this, Josh. We can get Aaron if we work together. But I, <laughs> but I have been. I, I'm so. But I'll challenge you. Yeah, you will. I will. I love it, though. I mean, y'all were kind of being innovators and in how the di uh, and there's people in this industry that say, "Oh, digital sucks. Oh, this sucks. TV still king." You know, I still use myself. I gauge myself as a great catalyst. I'm not the early adopter. I'm not the lag. You sure ain't the laggard. I'm not the laggard, but I'm the guy. I'm the middle aged man. When I make my mind up, money's not an option. Yeah, I mean. My wife's not going to listen to this. I dumped a lot of money on Sunday to get ready for Saturday for this fishing tournament. Okay? <laughs> but I knew what I was buying. I did my research, and I bought it. I'm calling you Monday to see how you did. <laughs> it's supposed to storm if I not go now. But, so, as I started me getting more in tune with digital and this social media stupid crap that everybody's into, and – Finding myself, all right, so I've always been a DVR because I travel. Yeah. And I fast-forward commercials. And I hate outdoor television because it's the dumbest thing on TV. And <laughs> I know that sounds bad. I don't even watch it. Good thing you can edit it. I'm, I'm still trying to get back to providing hope for guys that want to be on TV. There I, is no hope. Stop. I haven't got for joy. Hunt for joy. Hunt for joy. Yeah. Have a YouTube channel. Don't spend any money. You'll be okay. Um this but is as, totally debacling my whole podcast. As live your passion or not, there is there's <laughs> hey, there's a difference between live quit your, quit now. <laughs> you can live your passion in hunting, but you might not be able to make a career. That's exactly right. That's that's the truth. I couldn't live my. I was smart enough to stop at the age of eighteen to realize, hey, I love playing guitar and playing in Nashville's fun and playing at Memphis and doing all these things. I mean, I opened for Jackal and Blue Oyster Court and Fog Hat and Mountain. I've done all this cool and crazy fun stuff, but I was going to be a broke sucker. We're the same way. So we're, we're on the TV side. We're the exact same. We're a great example. Nearly 10 years now, we've been in outdoor, tele outdoor television, and we're not as broke as y'all are in outdoor television. <laughs> We're actually slightly profitable, but we ain't making a living doing it. No. That, that's, the, that's the reality. 
and everybody that's where the perception but all it's messed provided up. elsewhere for you but it's it's set the stage that's for right. what we do in marketing so you think about where we are today with you yeah if we wouldn't have had charlie want to kill jeremy oh that's coming on the podcast so so classic story so but and us honoring that yeah yeah the biggest mistake you ever made yeah <laughs> i mean just being Really, y'all y'all had integrity to follow through right. with what somebody somebody mentioned. else promised that didn't even work for us anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, but where's that evolved today? Yeah. I mean, so you, I mean, where's that for you interrupting me? Well, I don't know. I, I jacked the whole you conversation did. up. But so, I mean, it is. In, I mean, you talk about TV people. I mean, my passion. Everybody's like, "Was your passion not hunting?" I mean, I love to hunt. It's not, I mean, well, I didn't even hunt this year. So, but do I love to hunt? I would say, that, like, when I see you in deer camp, you you have a passion I to be I love to be there. there. Yeah. Josh, like, hey, you will go send this in? Well, well that's where I'll just cook. I'll be all right. But even, <laughs> so I want to connect because this whole podcast is about living your passion in business, leadership, and life. I don't want to ever mislead people to jog down a trail they have no, no. business going down either. That's where I go back to passion and your greatest talent combining. To me, those two things have to connect to get in your in your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't know how to say it, but you can go down a wrong path chasing your passion that you're not gifted enough or talented enough mm-hmm. to, to make it work. It'd be like me saying, I, I, I use this illustration a lot. I used to play music too. did a lot of music in church. I played, I played football. I was a pretty good athlete. Got a scholarship to go play football. But I was good to a certain level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think you have to look at that in life, too, and and have somebody that will speak the truth into your life around you, surrounding yourself with good people. Like we all know, we're we're good enough friends now. We speak the dang truth. You know what I mean? Like if I make a living doing marketing and graphic design, all that now, but if if you see something you don't like, you're my client. I'm going to honor it regardless, but you're going to speak the truth to me. So you Mm got to have people that speak the truth. You don't want to go down a path that's going to lead you to failure because somebody's told you a bunch of bull crap. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's where I'm trying to – I don't want to mislead but here, people ever. That's right, but misleading. But there's also those guys that they're passionate about something, but they don't want to listen. So it's like, it's no different than Josh's marketing. He's passionate about it. I could give two craps less about <laughs> marketing. But I don't. That's why you hired Josh. That's right. But <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I, I ask him a lot of questions. But, but I might ask questions or do stuff to challenge or to make. I mean, be yeah. like, oh, oh, you know, let's think about this. Let's do that. But there's those guys that if you be like, hey, you know, why are you doing it that way? They'd be, oh, yeah, you they know, get defensive. The defensive. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just let's, we're adults. Let's let's think about this equation. I mean, I tell people, you know, it's no different than when. I left a very successful company to go to where I am today. I had people say, are you crazy? What are you doing? Those <laughs> dudes are broke. You know what I mean? But they didn't know the whole picture. Part, part of it was broke. <laughs> part of it was broke. Well, but I, but I think, back in, wasn't I, broke I think, at all. No. I think but, to, to add to what you're saying, so, like, for me, as I've gotten to this thing, I don't, I don't ever say that I know anything. No. Because I think that's the thing, whether it be the ocean – or my wife, and the longer that I'm married to my wife, the more I realize, like, if I think I know her, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. And They're crazy. And, yeah. and, and the craziest thing is, 
If you, I have you can pe- say that two hours and eleven yeah. minutes into a podcast. My wife knows because they too, ain't listening. Too my wife many knows people true. to this day come to me and tell me they're experts on Facebook. And the moment that they say that, I'm like, Facebook makes changes and updates every day. If you think you're an expert on Facebook, if you think you're an three ex- days from now, you aren't. That's, That's right. so true. Well, and it's those people that. You hear people say all the time, you know, I'm I'm great at this, and this is my best at that. I, you know, me, me, me. We say at the me complex all the time. I tell people all the time, I walk into a room, and you don't know that I can make a decision. I don't want you to know I can make a decision. I want the smartest be people in the room usually ain't saying that. That's right. There's uh, so much truth. Oh, I blame everything. Oh, i got to talk to Casey. That's right. <laughs> Casey. That's right. Casey's a bad guy all the time. <laughs> I better not speak too much. There might someday this might slip out and be like, so you can make all these decisions, huh? Nope, can't make a freaking decision one. You know? hey, the tour is rolling in Nebraska next week. But, we're getting Casey and Jerry the entertainer. Oh, gosh. They're but, coming on board. But where we were going, you know, we was talking about, but like Mark and how y'all pushing me to digital is I challenged y'all on digital because I knew I was in that majority of guy. You, you know, were speaking for the guy that wasn't digital. That's right. He's not digital yet. But in the last 18 months to two years, I have slowly transitioned into digital. Not necessarily because of what we do, but as you start looking at it a little bit, because it is trending, and trends do trickle down. It's like kind of like peer pressure. It is. You're like, <laughs> like It's like going to a party, and you, you're the last guy not drinking. You're like, ah, oh, crap, I need to drink a beer because I look like the odd man out. So, I mean, but next thing you know, I, I mean – I'm a football advocate. I love football. NFL is kind of what I watch. I know they wouldn't get into that, but I love watching NFL. Not as much since Peyton retired, but I'd watch all of a sudden commercial come on. What's Aaron Keller doing? Phone in his hand, scrolling Facebook, not yep. Instagram because I'm not a photographer. Until they put videos up, and it's cool. You know, I'm, I'm a cooker, and I don't have like anything outdoors on mine. I'm looking at fishing, and oh, football game's up. Put my phone down. Yeah. I didn't see a freaking commercial one. He's on your phone. Even DVR today, DVR, I forget the DVR. Commercial's on, phone, 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 phone. My wife's on it. My kids are on it. None of us even look at it. TV's back on. Let's watch it. We could have fast-forwarded and saved ourselves freaking 35 seconds. But, you know, nope, we're on our phones. And you are, you're speaking on behalf of a brand who sells sponsorships for guys trying to sell commercial spots. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Oh, no. <laughs> Today, I will tell you. This is not going good for the TV guy. Anybody right that's listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anybody that's listening today that wants to be in TV, you hope you will never sell Josh Kinzer a TV commercial. You will never sell Aaron Keller a TV commercial because it's dying. I mean. Unless there's some other form of innovative. Of captive innovation. Innovative right, something. But That's I different will tell than anything you, else out there. if you think you have a hard job today, the hardest thing, I'm in sales. Sales is what I do. I'm not, I, I, these guys, I'm a great salesman. No, I'm just good with people. We That's go, what it comes down yeah, to. I'm not a great salesman. Selling is just relations. But that's a bad face. But mm. I have told my guys today, they have the hardest job in sales there is that is selling something you can't truly put a value on 
How do you value a TV show? It's not a product. Is it a product? I don't consider it a product. I think it's a product. Let's argue. But how's it a product? <laughs> because you have a product. <laughs> this is our product, not eyeballs. All right. It's our product. I, I so, bought, all right. Well, so you're, that's the only thing we got to play off what, of, according to Josh. But, whether you're going off of product or assets or so, my product, I, I'll tell hey, you, I fired a lot of shows that had a lot of eyeballs because they didn't put but, my product. But on you, you ain't fired there's me. Two, there's two things. It's because I got a product. There's but two. But you're not. It's not the TV shows why we keep you. Nope. But it's the it's the product. My Remember, product is not just TV. It's what's associated that's right. with it. There, there's two factors. So it's in my mind, it's a digital. You do product. have a product. It's a digital product. Quantitative and qualitative. And I think the most important thing for the qualitative is you've got multiple factors. Quality of production, which can matter or it cannot. It doesn't. You know, and then it does to me. how much you're building in content. Because like you said, 30-second commercials are, are dead. So in the, the content of the show, there's got to be product in place. So even if... A show, and I'm thinking of one in particular that we used to sponsor, made this beautiful TV show and never included our product. Well, then yeah. my, my qualitative value lessens. So there's multiple factors in the qualitative side of it, you know. And I hate to to sound like a nerd, but you, you know, you're a nerd. He's, he's, he's like a, a sniper hey, nerd. This is college education marketing. This is dumb. I'm like these. <laughs> did not put my problem. They're fired. We're done. Josh, get rid of me. Yeah. Josh is like, well, let's look at this in the numbers. So let's, let's look at this. We talk about being innovative, though. I, mean, I look at it from our standpoint. I do feel like we were innovative initially. This was nine, ten years ago now, six years ago since you've been here. It goes back to we've seen the same thing. There has been a, definitely a trend, and I'm not saying we started it, but I do feel like we were at initial phase played a part of it. When it comes to content development, because we knew we never got into this to be famous. We could care less about being famous. But it goes, but this is the same principle we're talking about right now with being innovative. You can't come in now and say, I'm going to take a picture <laughs> with a bag and my photos blurred out. Mm-mm. It's already done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It all, that all the innovative factor plays into that, no matter what the category of business. We may be talking about Pepsi, Coca Cola, <laughs> TV shows, product on the shelf at Tractor Supply and Walmart. Well, uh, one thing that drives me crazy is, like, and I know they think they're helping me. And I know, like, because I've even got friends I've had to scold on this. Like, you know, shows and people we sponsor where we pay money or product or whatever, you know, once they kill a deer, they feel like they've got to take a picture <laughs> with them with the deer in an unopened bag That's what of our product. Oh, so you didn't pour it out, huh? <laughs> It, it that make, drives me nuts. It makes no sense to me. Like you have an unopened bag of BB Square, did you? And, and but that's how they've been trained to think because you know we we lack innovation in this industry. I hate to say it, but well, we, do. we are way behind the eight ball when it comes to mm-hmm. as a whole as mm-hmm. an industry. And, and individually, if somebody can stand out to me, like I told a guy, he was uh, you know he sent me this. I'll just tell you this conversation, and he's like. Why are you not posting these pictures that I'm sending you? I'm like, it's you with a big deer with an unopened bag of product. Like, I don't. That's not what we want. It doesn't help me sell the product. He's like, well, what would you want? I'm like, well, I would love to see 
you and a, a another person standing there taking a picture of a deer bragging about this and maybe there's a bag of big and jay in the the back of the truck or maybe there's not i don't well you i don't care you remember that i want something real you remember that photo in the back of the truck of our, that boy that killed that giant deer in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the bag of BB Square was wadded up under the freaking toolbox. That was real. That's it. That we were we were so excited about that. We're like, Keith, do you know this guy? Can we find this guy? I mean, we're like, oh, you remember that photo? I, I do. I was like, holy cow. But, it, it, you know, you, you think about a lot of these other guys. They'll go and get every product and take a picture of the deer. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know where we – how we got to where we are but we got to where we are by following the wrong path and i'm saying i'm saying in this industry as a whole i I think it's because you said it right everybody goes about the copycats they've seen a few successful shows and i thought oh man why they They followed some innovators that's right oh well i killed just a bigger deer it ain't nothing about killing big deer I want to go spend deer camp with Michael Dot Wydell. It ain't got. I don't. I couldn't tell you one deer Michael has shot on camera, but I can tell you the joking conversations. You know, I've spent camp with Michael. He's genuine. I've spent with camp with some hunting people. that will be like, I'm. I'm very open and honest, but I'm very polite. But I'd be like, if I had to spend another day here, these people are gonna hate me because I'm gonna beat the rear end in the parking lot. <laughs> Because and, they're and arrogant and they're stupid. They're just hunters. You know what I, I mean? Have, I have been in camp that, with some it, of these people yeah. that were expecting to shoot a 160-inch deer, and they shot a 159-inch deer, and they got mad and stormed out of camp hey, how and many, left the deer. How many people shot three spikes in one day with you? <laughs> oh, Aaron Kelly. That's right. But, you know, so how many how many uh, deer camps prior to you working? We spent we spent a lot of deer camps uh-huh. together. Yeah. I love going to deer camp with Josh Kinzer. Even was, though you cooked the whole time. But we drove all we, we got like we stuck we stuck Polaris's cow sockies. <laughs> we I mean he's got photos. I mean, it it was it, we had so much fun. But that's what camp's about. That's why he said, you know, we can I came to Texas twice this year with him. And he finally convinced me the last day to go sit in the dang deer stand. And, you know, I didn't want to go sit in well, the deer stand. One, I didn't want to shoot be like, because, again, I didn't want to shoot a deer. Josh would be like, uh, I really wish you'd let that deer walk because <laughs> cause I'm from Arkansas. You know what it's like to be from Arkansas. Well, he's killed big deer. Well, the thing is, and even back when I was still working the nonprofit side, you know. <laughs> you all right? Oh, he's over here getting giggly on us. So I've always thought that. and, and John tried, knows what's going on. I've tried to. I'm asking that. <laughs> like it's not a it's not about a trophy and it's not about a score i use inches don't get me wrong i mean we talk about what kind of class just get an idea of it but it's really the experience of it i mean you know the best hunt that i had this year um was a, a deer that we killed which was a great deer with my two and my six-year-old but it was an equal experience when I had my three-year-old and we killed maybe the worst deer ever. I mean, that was probably a nine-year-old deer that scored 111 That's inches. Right. Uh, I mean, he was horrible, but it didn't matter because he's a mature deer. It was just an experience. She was so excited about it. And to her, and it, it was like the, st- the record deer of Texas. And I could feel, I was so nervous when I had to shoot because I could feel her yeah. 
excitement about it. I mean, yeah. that was the most nervous. And, and and when I shot with the other girls, I mean, that was – they – and I think be, hunting with kids, which I've done so much lately, it, they, they help remind you of what's important. It really is, yeah. And, you know, when we killed the buck we called Piggy, <clears throat> the bigger buck, and I'm with my two and my six-year-old, my two-year-old is running towards this deer and falls down three times – trying to run to it you know she is running as fast as she can to this deer falling down but my favorite picture about it was when we took it to the taxidermist i actually have a picture and they had to hug piggy you know and and, and get out of that but to them that deer they don't know that that was a 300 inch deer to them yeah that was the biggest deer that was killed in the state of texas to those girls yeah and it was far from it. That's what I love about it. <laughs> well, but you said it perfect, so everybody's like, oh, you don't. I mean, y'all said it. Aaron didn't like to hunt. I love to hunt. I You're hunt. fixing to hunt more. But I want to hunt like my own home. I want to hunt my own property. No. Nah, I'm not going to screw that. But so think about the first actually work trip we went on with the buyer. Uh-huh. We ain't going to say where we went in the nope. state because <laughs> we didn't do anything illegal because we don't do that because we're in the outdoor industry. But this there's a hunt. Was it 135-inch rule? It was 125. It was 135. All right. So, you know, these guys are educating us, and I'm like, I'm looking at these things because, I mean, I can, I mean, I can. I mean, are they like walking out like on a, a runway and po- posing for No, 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 no. This was tough, <laughs> tough, tough hunting. I think I seen, I mean, I only had one deer in shooting. I oh, really? Oh, yeah, no, no. This was, this was in the, this was in the Midwest in the, anyhow, so we're hunting. We got one of our buyers there, and there's a whole bunch of people in camp, and, me and John, our first first day set, but you know these guys here, they're. But again, there's a different size in Arkansas versus oh. a big Midwest. So you know, you're like looking at horns. Well, and it's not the opposite way. You might let a 140 walk because you oh, think yeah. he's 120, but no, you just let a 140. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna caution on the side that I might get in trouble. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I actually. I'm on a conference call in the tree. That's how bad it is. But I don't have great signal. You work way too much. Well, but it wasn't like a serious conference call. But I need to be on a call. So I'm on a call. And so we're sitting all day one. Me and Josh is texting. I'm up there. You know, I got my Bluetooth. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know. Everybody knows I'm hunting. I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm here. Just if you need me, I'll be here. I'm going to put it. You know I mean? <laughs> so I'm sitting there. And I, I we're going on. And, you know, and about that time, I was like, oh, crap. I got to go. I got to go. I got to put Come in. You know what I mean? I look up. And here's this beast not rack i'm talking like body wise body looks like a freaking 400 pound calf coming off the hills like oh my god this deer's dead you know i'm picking up i ain't even looked at horns because i'm not a horn hunter you saw the body though i was fixing to kill this deer i had him at seven yards i was like gosh are you 135 so i'm like i'm taking pictures well you know this is this is what well you've been here two years or two years ago Uh i'm like i got my phone up in there come on (laughs) Go, go out, get this picture out. Can I kill this deer? Come on, somebody just you know, text it. Trying to send this picture. I got my hand up in there, and this deer's, he's just standing there, seven yards. Wow. I'm like, I'm just going to shoot you. I drew back on him, I don't know, I bet seven times. I'm like, last thing I need to be, I'm with the buyer here, and the guy from Big and J shoots a deer that's not 135. <laughs> you know, that's all I can think in my head, you know. But I'm, this deer needs to die. <laughs> and, and that's what's great about the state of Texas. Is that we recognize that, and yeah. we want to get those this, deer yeah. out of the... But this. I think that's what's great about hunting, because you'll have people hack on that story. Oh, yeah. 
because he's you're waiting on 135. But every scenario in life and hunting is different. So here, it's a whole other experience than going and just hunting whatever you want. So I'm sitting there. You know, I, I did, love it. I got my arm up. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. This deer walks plumb around my tree from seven yards, seven yards, maybe six. Man, I had him at five. I don't know. At this point in time, I could have spit on him at any given time. And I mean, he is that close. And he is big, beat up, broke up, you know, but nothing impressive. But just if he was on my place, I'm killing this deer all day. Yeah. Because he needs to go. <laughs> he lays down at 15 yards. I'm like, okay, come on, come on, Tony, get this text. Come on. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, sending, sending, sending. I'm like, please get out. About this time, this deer walks out, put my phone down. And goes, Whoop. you know how it goes when it yeah, goes yeah. out. Like, it went out. About that time, now Tony's, you're Tony's like, smoke him. We want him to put it against you. I was like, gosh, he's gone, you know. <laughs> I was like, he's like, man, we've been trying to kill that deer forever. I was like, oh, I had him for 25 minutes around, man. I couldn't do that. But, you know, I mean. But that experience. Tony's like, would you have been happy to kill it? And I was like, dude, I could have freaking sat in camp for the next three days and not got up at 4 a.m. and drove. To go. I was like, heck yeah, I'd That'd be been excited. a John Hill hunt. John Hill likes evening hunts. Oh, yeah. This He's was like, not morning hunting. It was like two, it was like two in the afternoon. It was all day set. Cause we, <laughs> what was we there? Oh, that day we, yeah, we, yeah, set, we set all day. We set two or – we just set three whole days? Because mm-hmm. I know one day it was cold, windy, and miserable. And I, I had deer bedded by me. I actually had several, but it was young bucks. I mean – but this deer, I was just like, I tell people, they're like, man, you know, Tony's like, that excited you? I'm like, oh, dude, I get excited about a doe. I was like, it, it, the day that when I draw a bow back, I tell people, when a doe comes out, my heart's beating as hard as it is when it's a buck. Really? Oh, yeah. Not with a rock, but with a bow? Yeah. Oh, you betcha. When I shoot, I mean, I tell, if I ever lose that, you ain't I, going. I, I'm going to the golf industry or something. But you ain't going too much right now because you're too busy working. Yeah, I mean, my. Cr- but well, he, I tell you, him and I, I made him go to the blind. He did one day. Mr. Coyote. And but but I was no, no, say not that day. That. I, we we went out and we had I think one of the, oh. my favorite year. Uh, we was, went out and we had one of my favorite days of hunting because we sat in an oat field and, and the rut was just really getting ramped up. And him and I sat there and we laughed our butts oh, off. Oh yeah, these little bugs. <laughs> They're like. You know, walk around position. They're like, "Oh, look at this little dude! He's got a lot of spikes. They're beating the crap." I mean, it was so. We had probably eight, nine bucks that literally were hiding in the brush around this oat field, and every time a doe would walk in, they would literally just—I mean, running. I mean, it was different than the normal rut stuff you see. I mean, they were literally they were like backing up into the brush and hiding, and the moment a doe walked out, just. She had, no, she had no chance. <laughs> These does, she couldn't even run. She eight directions they were coming. But you know, we found walking in, we found that freaking old mm-hmm. freaking you know a, a dead deer. It was like you know, oh yeah, that was and, cool. And that, that's a good day. Uh, that's I, a good day. That's that's what I love. I tell people all the time, you don't love to hunt. You don't like to hunt. I hear all of my buddies. I do love. So my buddies a duck hunt. I ain't duck hunting in five years. Why? I'm not fighting these freaking out of state people in the state of Arkansas on the public ground. Y'all don't know how to duck hunt. You don't know how to call ducks. You think you can shoot them at the top of the timber with steel shot flying fast. No, you can't. Come get in my hole. We'll shoot them on the water. We'll be done by 9.15. Everybody's gone. And we don't get in a fist fight at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, that's why I quit duck hunting, because it turned into people fist fighting out there because you wanted to kill everybody in the day. In public ground, everybody oh, fighting for the hole. Fighting for the hole. Got got these fast boats and kids that don't know what, no respect. But I, I love 
That's another story. Maybe this <laughs> podcast should be called Blunt. Blunt. But Not the smoke. Just Aaron Keller Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody thinks I'm this big so, a-hole, you know. I have a question. Oh, gosh. Oh. Host us, Josh. Tell us what you got. Can we end this podcast? <laughs> but this is a great conversation. We're, this is like three podcasts <laughs> cut into one. This we're is, at 2.31 right now. Are you that tired? Even, and I'm I, ready to climb into bed. And I haven't even done an intro yet. <laughs> We've not even got into we, your story. We, we, well, we're oh. going to have to do another podcast. Like it's, well, We're going to cut this into segments okay. of three. We'll do it in Nebraska next week. He's not going to be there. Not be there. Well, then we got to do it tonight. Oh, son. So, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to get us into this Josh Kinzer story. This is the greatest Josh this, Kinzer story. Somebody, if you're you listening. Did, and the only reason we're getting his story because he didn't realize it till this morning. I but, didn't. Yeah, he's like, no onions, what? I was like, oh, well, we got to tell that story. Yeah, so, this is a good story. So, you know, Josh is – Josh is, you know, he's a veteran. We appreciate his service. So we get into this deal, and we're like, I don't even know how we got into this conversation. We was talking about, I was like, you know, I asked war stories of Josh, telling all these cool things, you know, like, man, he's been blown up. We're like, what's the closest you've been to death? I'm thinking you're going to tell us this, like, you know, Fallujah deal, like, you know, you had this crazy sniper shot your arm off deal, and tell us the near death story that happened in Texas, uh. Josh. So, okay. Yeah, the the worst situation I've ever been in is was not in combat and um which was was even more disappointing as it was going on. So, uh to start from it, uh my wife was 5 months pregnant with our first kid and and um she she had gone hunting. And my, my wife's a big fisherman or my wife does a lot of fishing. She she loves fishing. And her first animals that, that she ever killed were when we got this great deal to go to Africa. But she, she didn't have a whitetail, and we were on a lease up in Blanco in Texas. And um, she wanted to get her first whitetail. <clears throat> so it was the Sunday. It was the last Sunday. It was the last day in deer season in Texas at, at that time. And she kills a little eight-point, and... And it was a great eight point to get out. He, w- he wasn't going to be m- too much, and, and it was a great deer for her to grab. And she was very proud of it. And, you know, she's got a big old pregnant belly, and she's all excited. So uh, me and my friends, uh, the other Josh and, and Kelly, we get everything caped out, and we, we put the, the deer hanging in the head. We put the deer head and the cape hanging in the cooler. So this is on Sunday. And the reason that we didn't take it to the taxidermist was they were closed at this time. And, you know, so I just said, oh, I'll come back next week and and do that. So, oh, go ahead if you need to. So, it was a Tuesday. The Tuesday right after this, this happened. And uh, the way fate had it was I had a conference call that was canceled. And then I had another meeting that was canceled. And I had this sort of void in time where I was like, oh, well, I can run out to go grab her deer head and get it back to the taxidermist. I didn't tell anybody where I was going because this was a simple. Run to deer camp, grab a deer head. This is going south quick. This this isn't going to, you know. Now, before anybody asked about why didn't I use my cell phone, (laughs) Like, it was down in this little hole, and so we actually had a house phone 
No cell, cell service. No cell service. Cell service works. We still have no cell service and crap. Cell service yeah. sucks. It, 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 we can talk on yeah. the moon, though. That's right. So, um, Not in my so, house. So we think. <laughs> so we think. The, the way it happened is I walked in, and it was a homemade deer cooler. And I opened the door, and I went to go grab the deer head. Now, you could just kind of push the door open and, you know, the way the hinges were, it would stay open. We had a little bit of a different wind blowing that day. And I went to go grab the deer head and walk out, and I would have been done. But it was zip-tied up to the, you know, it was trying to hang it so it didn't, you know, it, it dripped properly and dried out. So I was like, oh, I don't have a knife. And I looked down, and I walked back to the cooler door. And as I'm walking, I remember watching that thing slam shut oh no in front of me this is not a commercial when it opens from the inside <laughs> yeah and it, it it slammed shut and i tried to put my foot up and i was worried about it but i mean it slammed so hard that it broke the inside safety latch off oh it did have a safety it latch. had a safety latch and that thing completely broke as it slammed i didn't have the light on you know, I didn't have any. The light on. switches outside. The light switches outside. Pitch dark. Pitch dark. Wow. So my first, uh, you know, I, I freaked out at first, like punched, kicked, and like really just. And you've been out. in combat. Did you uh, freak out in combat? No, this was. <laughs> this was different. This was like that, you, you really I, thought you would in die combat. Here. I can go jump and hide behind a, a hill or a house. No, I, I got nowhere to go. I'm in a box. <laughs> Coffin. Coughing. That's where I'm at. I'm coughing. Cold. And uh, when I really started pushing and kicking, I started getting really, really lightheaded. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't. There's no oxygen in here. So I had to be really careful about it. And I found uh, uh, Kelly had shot a spike, you know, a couple weeks before. And I was able to, to wedge that up in the top corner and at least get some oxygen in. So, I thought, gosh, nobody knows where I am. You know, I'm going to be here for – so, I started thinking of what do I got to do? I, one, I got to make a, a a sign to let people know I'm in here. So, I, I was able to rip off a piece of board, you know. And this was an old – this wasn't made out of, like, metal. It was an old – it was made out of oak. You got to think there was there was metal on the outside, styrofoam on the outside. Then there was a two-by-six that was flat. And then there was a two-by-six that was – turned perpendicular to that a two by six flat again and then styrofoam and wood well this cooler was made in like 1982 <laughs> so you're talking about 10 inches of oak in between styrofoam and metal that's been wet for many many years and guess what that doesn't cut easily and so essentially as it's happening I'm trying to go stay as calm <laughs> as I can. I made a distress signal, got some of this stuff peeled off, got it out of that corner where I had the spike, you know, wrapped a plastic bag around it. And the only thing in this cooler was a bag of potatoes and a bag of onions. And I did not like <laughs> onions prior. Prior. I, I did not like onions. Well, I know, you know, potatoes are something you can never eat in a survival situation unless you cook. Because if you eat a potato raw, it, it actually will completely run through you and give you, you know, the runs. And it, it can it can kill you. So, my, I, 
I was planning on I might be here three, four days. So every couple hours, I would take a bite of onion for water and for whatever oh, I could get out no. of it. And so, yeah, taking just bites of raw onion was not. This is all making sense to me now. (laughs) Now you you know why. I know why. I'm trying to saute some onion for a burger. (laughs) He's like, I'm good, dude. So I'm going to fast forward. I mean, basically, I I worked hard. I would would take these meat hooks and try to dig through, which in the end, I I didn't do much damage at all. Um, And it was so hard with so little oxygen, I would literally have to take, you know, about two minutes work, about five minutes rest. And, you know, somewhere in the, in the midst of this, um, I'm leaning against the door to try to get more light in, and the door opens. Now, I will tell you that it was seven hours and 45 minutes later after yeah, I'd been locked in there. Really. The owner, who I'd never met, came there to feed a cat, and he saw that our trailblazer was there and he was like, Oh man, I, I, he was worried he was screwing somebody's hunt up. So he left, he just literally turned around and left. And there was a gate right up there. So he, he pushes the button. He's waiting for the gate to open and the cat that he was going to feed ran up in front of his truck and he got out to feed that cat. And he heard thump, 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 thump. And he thought that the, the fan was broken at the back of the, the cooler. So he walks down there and first thing he sees is my distress signal with the, you know, it's a white flag coming out of that. So he runs down there and, you know, he opens the door. And, of course, I fall out and I lay up on the ground. And I'm looking up at this guy <laughs> yeah. who's a farmer in Central angel. Texas. He's an angel. Yeah. He's got this big, huge mustache. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, <sighs> and he goes, he's, I'll never forget. He looks at me. He goes, son, tell me right now, do I need to call the ambulance? <laughs> That's classic. Oh, God. And he was like, what do you need? And I was like, water. And he goes and runs off to his truck, and he comes back, and he's like, I don't have any water, but I got these two Shiner Box. (laughs) (laughs) You drank them too, didn't you? I did. (laughs) Holy It was water. Yeah, and so, you know, at at about this, the last couple hours, my wife had realized that some stuff was – because I worked with her at the time, and, and I didn't show up to a conference call that, we were both supposed to be on and nobody could kind of find me. It, it, so it, people were starting to put the dots together that someone, Hey, right. Josh is missing. Yeah, <laughs> Josh know. never not shows up. It, it's something's wrong. And so, uh, the other people are good friends, Josh and Tammy that were out on that lease with us. You know, they were actually heading out to the lease to see if I was out there. That So anyway, so I get back home and, um, you know, my wife, she's pregnant. She's five months, just a little bit emotional. And she, she runs and she's hugging me and she's just kind of like crying. She's like, why do you, why do you smell like onions? <laughs> Holy cow. That's all making sense to me now. Yeah. It's a great story. That's but see, unbelievable. But see, he made one statement there and this is a podcast for another day. <laughs> If he had no work ethic, <laughs> he would have died. <laughs> nobody would have looked. Well, the farmer. <laughs> the but, farmer. But nobody would have looked for you. Be like, ah, Josh, ah, he screws up all the time. He's probably asleep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think about that. Podcast for another day. That uh, is true. Work ethic. You th- but it was, I mean, I'm telling you, that was, of all the 
the yeah. bullets that have been fired at me, that was probably the cl- – I mean – and, you know, I had a professor in college, and, and he always talked about how his first assignment was he would have – he would divide the room in half, and he would have the girls write their obituary, and he'd have the guys. And the girls would always write these obituaries about, oh, well, you know, I – lived to be a hundred and died and my grandkids and and the guys would be like i was killed by a bear i was killed by a tiger i was killed by uh you know and so here i am like oh my god i have been shot i've been blown up eight times i've been poison gas <laughs> no i'm gonna die in a deer cooler in blanco like it's bull, man. that's right raw onions cow but isn't that funny? One of these days, you have to tell the asparagus story because that is funny. We'll do that in Nebraska on next, this next trip. Well, he's trip. not going to be in Nebraska. Damn it. Come on, Josh. Come to Nebraska. We'll, we'll redo We'll redo something. Oh, I can't. That's I have a feeling we're going to have more opportunities. The asparagus is a really <laughs> good It's a good one. Oh, yeah. We need, we, we need to hold out on asparagus because we're 245 in. Well, yeah. you, you're going to have to do a lot of editing. No, I'm pretty good. Man. We can split this into three sessions. No. You were just graphing about the hour and 20 minute one with John. Well, I'll never be able to listen to this. <laughs> this is made for when you're driving but I, I'm to Nebraska. The, <laughs> it has to be on a Sunday when my phone's not ringing. And you have a nine-hour trip. You can listen to the podcast. Oh, gosh. Well, the whole goal of this podcast was to be an innovator or go home. That was kind of the idea. I don't know if we covered that or not. We talked about it for three or four minutes. Right? <laughs> Of the two fifty, <laughs> we we uh, we hey, this not, is the longest podcast. Maybe we might be Genesis Book World, Genesis Book World Records. And not only can we we rabbit trail better than John Hill, John D. John I know you're listening. D. Hill. Actually, if you're listening, John, text me because you're not listening. There's no way. <laughs> So we might need to put out a coupon code for a sweep free swagger bipod. That's right. If you listened at two. 46. <laughs> That's right. Coupon this is what we joke about the three people that listen to our podcast That's all right. the time. That's right. This won't cost any money. Coupon code <laughs> podcast. We're creating the Wasted coupon. time. <laughs> 2018. Free bipod. Just type in the code. All right. Let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts on being an innovator or go home? I think that um, – you know, I, I think we touched on it a little bit, but it really, I think not just for our industry, but I think that's that's life now. I agree. Uh, you know, there there's there's too much going on. There's too much that's happening too fast for, for people to just be lazy and, and think that, hey, I'm entitled to this job or I'm entitled to this position or I can, you know, you've got to be able to bring something to the table every day and you've got to be able to study, know, and realize that life is changing fast. And, Very. you know, when you're in that innovator position, it doesn't stop on day one. It's I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I see a lot of people that are great at doing that. And I see a lot of people that had a great idea one time and try to rest their laurels on it. And don't work out. It doesn't work out for them. Well, you, like you said, you know. Being an innovator means you get to adapt. People that think they're the smartest person in the room are not innovators. They're copycats. They are. They really are. Innovators don't think they're the smartest. They don't try to improve the mousetrap. They really don't. 
And so that that leads me to though I'm I'm thinking from the guy who thinks he is an ad, or he wants to be maybe not thinks he is but wants to be the humble guy that wants to be an innovator. I mean, it, it, let's be honest, it's hard to find anything in our industry that hadn't been done at mm-hmm. some level. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done. I think I think Swagger's a great example of that. I mean, you're taking a hundred years that had nothing's changed and, and this has changed. So it's innovation. But so it doesn't mean you can't be in it. So but I don't want people to feel like I'm not good enough. Um, <laughs> but there are facts. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. That's it. Or you keep freaking trying until you come up with it. How many? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at who is it? All the who invented the light bulb? Hey, and how many I, times do they fail until they freaking hit it? I've got. I've got. I mean, real quickly, you know, Stephen King. You know, if you read his book, because I was a writer in college, and we read his his biography and. Um, when he had the manuscript for Carrie, he talked his wife into him leaving his job from manufacturing. She did it, and they had this time period where he did that. He turned that manuscript in and got rejected. It was like 25 times, and 25 times when he got the 25th letter, uh, you know, that was pretty much where he was like, okay, that's it. He took the manuscript, and he threw it in the trash. His wife saw an ad and saw another call for manuscripts and felt bad, pulled the manuscript out of the trash and sent it in for the 26th time. Wow. And that became, they they got a deal for a book and a movie right away. I mean, it's, you know, King was ready to walk away from his career at at 25 times and the 26th. So you don't know if it's going to be 26 or 27 or, or, or whatever one. it is. Or one. And you don't know. You don't yeah. know. I mean, if you're truly, truly an innovator, you can't quit. You can't. And this is why B said this a while back. B couldn't be here because he's in Mississippi. But he said something that it's made me even think about stuff. He talked about it. If you really are pat, not just saying you're passionate about something, mm-hmm. or pa- let's not let's say we're passionate about being innovators. Are you? Or are you not? Well, if you quit on it, chances are you probably weren't really passionate about it. That's exactly because he said if you quit on it, then you're quitting your passion. So, like you're talking Stephen King, but look at Keurig. Look how big Keurig is. It's probably the biggest brand that's happened today. The dude invented that. <laughs> give up on it. He sold his patents for like $50,000. And what's it worth? Today they sell a billion cups a year. Over a billion. That's a year. A year. Over a billion. I don't know what the number is now. I mean, that's the last stat. That's a lot. My owner was telling me that, and you're sitting there thinking, some company bought that for 50000 because this dude give up. He quit. And he's sitting there today with his 50000 didn't even pay his house off. He might have killed himself for all I know over doing that because he had a billion-dollar idea and quit after seven years trying to sell it or get it off the ground. Yeah. But, again, it takes money to make money, too. It does. There's no doubt. No doubt. But you got to stick with your passion, (laughs) and if you ain't the innovator, go home. (laughs) Josh, you got anything? I know you're ready to go to bed. At the time of this recording, it is twelve forty nine, and Josh Which is, is like, way past Josh. Josh is that guy at deer camp. You're all out around the campfire, just when you're sitting there playing gone. guitar. Everybody's like, "Where's Josh at?" <laughs> he gone. He went to bed at nine thirty. <laughs> I got three kids, six, three, and two. 
and they wake up come hell or high water at you know no later than 6 a.m you know and i've just over the last couple of years man i mean even though like this morning you know i could sleep in i didn't but you could have i could have the garage door but, come up you know my Hey, I got I got home at one thirty this morning or you yesterday. Coming from Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. So I am excited to go get in bed because I got to go drive back to Texas. I don't even have a bed. I'm sleeping on a I couch. I can't believe you're not coming to Nebraska. We're gonna so hook I, up Jerry the Entertainer and Casey. I on would the podcast. love to, but that's our at least street. Jerry. That's our Casey may check out on us. Casey won't do podcasts. We're Jerry going to oh, a Jerry, Jerry a podcast? Jerry's I'm gonna hold him to the fire. It. You realize you're getting into. Conspiracy, like you're going to do a three hour podcast. Well, on we're well, well, this is three hours right now. <laughs> Holy cow, it doesn't feel like we've been here three it hours, it never does. And we've rabbit hole a lot, but I feel like we've halfway talked about some. I mean, I don't know if we have or not. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're still listening, you're an awesome People human, <laughs> <laughs> you're a great human being, and thank you for your support. Uh, that's right. People are going to think we're like these arrogant guys that no, but I do. I will say to that, like, we joke around, and we are probably confident <laughs> you have to be but no but you you got to speak the truth too yes and you ain't been in this 20 years to not be able to mm-hmm. you've got credibility to speak the truth now both of y'all do um and we all speak to it in different fa- facets of the industry but if you don't speak the truth you're you're wasting your time so don't don't lose hope if you want to be in the industry but no. surround yourself with people that are going to speak the truth that's right so you I don't, don't think you're gonna in the television world. Don't think you're, you're pretty much. If you want to take anything from this podcast, is don't get into outdoor television. Yeah, that's right. You are not Michael Waddell. <laughs> don't come ask Josh if he'll sponsor you, no. unless you've got like ten million views a day. <laughs> that's so funny. But what? Why that's funny is because I'm actually telling you the truth right now. You're gonna have to I'm have saving a disclaimer. Josh these are these are not the what's that disclaimer? These are not the uh, opinions of the broadcast network. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is not actually. I'm back. back y'all. Hey, you told me to fire y'all once because you thought TV was irrelevant. You remember that conversation? Trying, I still wish you would from day to day. I want to do digital. I I would. I won't say that. <laughs> what were you gonna say? No. Go ahead. Mm-mm. I don't care. I mean, there's other ways we could probably make your money more successful. Y'all. I'm not going to omit all of that. <laughs> I'm actually not. I don't care. Well, I, I ain't going to say it because there might be some people listening today. And for the guys that know me, they know I'm pretty sincere about stuff. And I'm not an arrogant person, but I do speak the truth most of the time. I don't have a whole lot of filter. Crap no, I mean, there's no point in it. I totally But agree. I am pretty gentle about things. I don't know about gentle, but. I care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean you do. So, so let's. Aaron is like the biggest. Everybody thinks hardcore. I'm this, yeah, Aaron's such an asshole. No, I'm not. And at the end of the day, he's probably the biggest teddy bear on the planet. Or otherwise, he'd have fired everybody ten years ago. <laughs> he'd have fired guys before they ever got on staff That's because right. they create so much drama. Oh, and I'm, I'm throwing myself in the category. I probably create drama from time to time. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a don't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying he is a big teddy bear, yeah. and he wants everybody to be successful. I don't want everybody to be successful. And you do. I, Even that goes back to competition. I want my competition to be successful. Competition's good. It is. This is what. This Even game. if you are the the copycat, come on, bring your 365. I like it. Mm-hmm. Bring it. I bring actually, it. 
I, I'm not even an owner, or I'm just a little guy on the totem pole. But I like it. I love because I love competition. It drives us all to be better. That's right. Well, I'm fixing to close this down. And Josh, you ready to go bed? Because I, I think that <laughs> another thing that drives us to be better is sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wide awake, dude. We keep going. I drank. How many sparks did I drink today? We we're drinking so many products we're not sponsored by today. I need to throw that in there because everybody thinks we're just saying stuff to be because we're sponsored. Yeah. yeah, I don't even drink sparks. We paid full price for a spark. I rolled, I've been paying full price for about 15 years, dude. Now, I rolled in this I morning. I love it. So tired. I drank so many sparks so I could get involved in these. You're meetings. going to bed at one, and you're fixing to be cranked to about. Four. Oh, I'm wired up. I drank some Mountain Ops today. I drank Genesis Pure. I drank Advocare. I drank. I didn't drink Plexus, but I thought about it. <laughs> I don't care. If it's keeping me awake and focused, I'm in. All right. Hey, this has been good. Aaron, Josh, you guys are killing it in the category, Big and J Swagger. And it's just getting better and better every day. Thank you guys for joining us. And this is not the last time we will hear from you two yahoos i promise you well thanks for having us (laughs) we'll do this earlier josh yeah we're gonna start like seven next time at least uh it'll be fun to do you know when we're all in deer camp and compare south texas you know see what's going on all right but i don't hunt oh well you're going to sooner or later (laughs) it's coming we'll we'll have ribs for you to cook that's right i could you can have the headphone on or the headset We're going to shut this down. We've been rolling about. Oh, we're pushing three hours. Holy cow. Yeah, we're out. All right, until next time, y'all, this is Tour 12. We will see you next time right here on the podcast. Peace out. Peace out.